Welcome to Free Fall RC Podcast. Alright, you recording? You all good? I got Skype recording. I have a backup to my backup. Okay, and any of you recording too? Backup to the backup. Awesome. Alright, then here we go. Welcome to another episode of Free Fall RC Podcast. I'm Steve, and here with me is Kevin. Hey, guys. Hey, Randy. Hey, now. Awesome. And we have a special guest, Nick Maxwell. Hey. Hey, right. Nick. How are you guys? Good. Great. Good. Fantastic. Yeah. This is episode 242, Nick Maxwell Products. Yeah, Nick, the last time we actually talked to you, we were sitting in an airport after Urcha. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, last year. Yeah. With, with uh, Chris going to the, yeah, with going to the Worlds. Yep. Yeah. I am very happy that he made the, the F3N team this year, so he's going to get to go back with us. Oh, oh nice. that's great. Yeah. yeah. That's great. He's a great, he's a good kid. Yeah, yeah. He is. Awesome. Okay. So let's uh, catch up with everyone's week first. Uh, who'd like to go first? Well, I can go first. I don't care. Whoever wants to go. You go first. I'll go. Yeah. All right. I did not sim on Friday night because our you illustrious suck. king and supreme ruler of New Jersey, Governor Murphy, said, you good people of New Jersey have my permission to go out and eat indoors at a restaurant. But don't go over 25% capacity. So mm. immediately my wife wanted to go to a restaurant and sit down indoors, which something I haven't done in six months. Easy six mm-hmm. months. Yeah. She did it, uh, I think down in Florida one of the times she went. Florida. How was it? It was the same as eating out, except I was inside. <laughs> a little bit further away from people, right? It was exactly like, I mean, the same as eating at my house, but except I was somewhere else. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was it was pretty. You know, it was pretty cool. We we went with um, her mom and dad and her sister and, and her husband, and mm-hmm. we had a table in the corner. We were the only ones there. We thought it was going to be packed or packed nice. to twenty five percent because mm-hmm. you know the 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 tide has ebbed and uh, you know everything sure. was lifted. As far as twenty five percent goes, um, but nobody was there. It was fun. It was weird. We had the place to ourselves for the longest time, and then a few people started coming in, and we got there at six, and we didn't get out of there until like eight thirty. So by the time I got home, it was like I don't know nine nine thirty. Oh, wow. I was like, I'm just gonna have a drink and chill out. I I, I could have got on the sim, but I was just like, eh, just have a few drinks and chill out. Notice mm-hmm. how a drink turned into a few. Uh, mm-hmm. But then went to the club field on Saturday, and yeah. Saturday was quote unquote pattern day, which we've done before. Steve, you've done it. I've done mm-hmm. it. Yeah, and that's where the airplanes flying set patterns. You know, it's nothing crazy. It's like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's good. Go do a procedural turn, a couple of loops, come down, do an inverted pass, uh, Immelman, Cuban eight, or whatever. Yeah, and it's not graded or nothing. We just. You know, we just feel like a friendly competition. And, you know, the club buys lunch and has hot dogs and sodas and everything. Mm-hmm. And chips and whatever. So it was, uh, it was good. It was a good turnout, man. It was a really nice day. And man, we must have had, I think, 13 like pilots that actually registered to be in the thing. 
And oh, uh, nice! It was it was cool, man. It it takes a while to get through everything, but it was it was a lot of fun. I I, I kind of enjoy it, you know, for a little bit. Uh, yeah. But here's my planker story that I mentioned earlier. <laughs> um, okay. So Mike D let Mike D was there, of course, and he let me use his his pattern plane that he had, uh, one of the f- many that he has. And this mm-hmm. one's specifically designed to do this stuff. It flies like it's on rails. It's a really good plane. Um, it's kind of your basic plane with a little tiny, like, top wing on top of the cockpit. I don't know if you've seen this style of plane, but it's, yeah. you know, it's a pattern plane. So I flew it once and my second time, and I did okay. It was a little weird. It's, uh, it's heavier than I, you know, imagined it was going to be. And I needed to be really like within, you know, the top like three quarter to full throttle at all times just to get. So I wasn't kind of used to that. I'm used to a little more throttle, you know, maybe half to full or whatever to screw okay. around with. Yeah. So, uh, the second time I flew it, uh, I went, I came up to do like a stall turn and you know, when a helicopter guy's flying, this is, this, this dawned on me. This is the big difference between, you know, heli guys and, and, plankers or dirty old plankers whatever you want to call them uh when a helicopter guy's flying and they do something that's weird you know the guys in the back will yell stuff out like make it like whoa what was that that was crazy yeah blah blah blah, blah and they'll make a joke and everybody's laughing and mm-hmm. when i went up to do this stall turn i kind of like it stalled but it kind of looped around at the same time and i could hear this mumbling behind me in the peanut gallery, and I heard well, <laughs> that wasn't really a stall turn. That was kind of a uh, stall loop, uh, like 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 that. I'm like, <laughs> okay, you flipping dicks. I'm like, this is my second time <laughs> flying this thing. Like, so I was like, all right, Mike. So he goes, uh, so I give him back the plane. He goes, you done? Because everybody goes three times. You you go like three times, uh-huh. and it's like, uh, you know, just friendly competition. So I go. I go, all right, Mike, I have my S-Bock with me, and I had it all together, and I planned on flying that at least once or twice. So I mm-hmm. charged the battery up for that, and I brought all stuff back to Mike. He's like, you're done? And I told him him the story. I'm like, you know, what's up with these guys? He's like, oh, I don't pay any attention to those guys. I go, well, no, I'm going to I'm gonna screw around this time. That's why I'm getting this thing ready. So I went up, brought my S-Bock up. I started doing the, the pattern, and Bruce was calling out, and Bruce goes, okay, you got to come in, and you got to do, like, uh, you got to do an inverted pass. So everybody was doing inverted stuff way up high, like 50 to 100 feet easy. Maybe yeah, probably even, you, probably huh? I came in like two foot off the runway, all the way down the <laughs> runway. And then I went around and did a complete pattern inverted again. And I could hear him behind me going, Oh, oh. <laughs> I was like, yeah, screw you, you old bastards. And then I came in, I came in, for, I think it was that flight. I think I flew it twice that day. And I think it was that flight. Um, Dude, I came in for like one of the smoothest landings I've ever had with that thing. Like it came in so like so smooth, almost like the space shuttle, you know, coming in one, four, three, two, or five, yeah. four, three, two, one, you know, as it's coming in yeah. off the ground. And, uh, I was, it was, it's very satisfying to, uh, be a douchebag, uh, after I heard all that mumbling. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, no, it was cool. I, I really had a good time with, uh, with Mike and that, you know, Jerry, Steve, remember Jerry, the tall yeah, guy? Of course. Yeah. Um, dude, I never realized how much of a freaking pisser that guy is, dude. Oh, we, yeah, he is. We were joking around and he was, dude, we, we had a good time. All three of us were just having some laughs and stuff, man. And uh, after all the plankers left, 
uh, Paul Andrioli showed up, and Cricky was there, and me and Mike nice. were we were flying helis after that. Man, I flew the Oxy Five a number of times, mm-hmm. and the Six Ninety, uh, probably once or twice. And it was a good day, man. It was a really nice day. Had a great time at the field. Really getting comfortable with the Oxy Five. I think I was even doing. I was trying to do pirouetting funnels a little bit with the Oxy Five. Just uh, nice. Kind of trying it out in real life, you know. Um, after doing it in the sim a few times, it's still throwing me big time because, you know, I'm rushing into all this stuff. <laughs> Probably not mm-hmm. learning what I should. But I, I'm yeah. having I'm having fun with the with the helis. Yeah. I'm, I'm I'm really feeling more comfortable. And I say it every week after doing the sim and man for two hours on Friday nights. It's been helping me, I think, a lot. So I worked on the R2 project a little more, just more Bondo and sanding, I think, is all I did this week. Uh, I got my speed controller in for the dome, but he's in so many pieces now. Just, just I'm just trying to get everything ready for somewhat of a final paint. And it's coming along. I, I primed the, the body in some white primer uh, this week, and it's really coming out good, man. It, I'm, I'm, I'm more of, I'm a real stickler when it comes to stuff. Like I see a little tiny thing, and I want to get more bondo out, and you know, yeah, fix it up, fix yeah, make it, it perfect. So it's 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 coming along, man. I mean, take your time with it. Make it as perfect as you want it, because yeah. once you're done, like that thing's gonna be humongous. <laughs> it's gonna yeah. be so awesome. Be so might as well put the effort into it, yeah, to do it right. Yeah, and I did work on the one foot instead of belts, like I mentioned last week. Uh, uh-huh. It's a gear driven system, the new version. So I had to reprint a bunch of stuff for that. That's that's kind. Of, it's it's the herringbone gears the guy did. So three mm, D okay. printing those. It's a little. The tolerances are are very tight uh okay. so it's it sounds like hell when i run it at full power but it's like i'm never gonna run this thing full power like and it's you know on the bench mm-hmm. but i'm sure that i'm sure a little working of it in it'll it'll run better after a while i just want to make sure it doesn't weld itself to you know two parts don't weld themselves together you know yeah i should wear wear in a little bit yeah okay. i would think so gears wear together yeah yeah Grease him up too, just to. Yeah, I did put a little um, gear, gear loose. Some of that stuff we got, I got years ago. You know the um, those little bottles with the black labels. That we. Astro God. Is it? Um, <laughs> no. Um, uh, what, what were we getting years ago? I forget now. It's uh it's gear lube and. Um, Heli loops? Talking about dry fluid? Dry fluid. Yeah. yeah. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Dry fluid. Yep. And the other stuff. It's in the same bottle. It's it's like gear lube or something. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Dry lube and gear lube or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. I know what you're talking about. The dry fluid. Mm -hmm. And that's all I've been doing, man. Waiting for Tuesday. (laughs) Nice. I could go next since it's not really RC related, but you know, probably people want to know why I wasn't on the show last week and stuff. Yeah, so I don't know uh, why. Yeah, originally I didn't do anything RC related specifically, right? I um, basically drove down Sunday before last week's episode, before Tuesday, um, to do my closing on my new house. So on Monday, <clears throat> I closed on a new house. 
Congrats, uh, what, a, what a stressful day that was. Um, <clears throat> didn't want to go. I don't want to go too deep into the whole situation, but the mortgage company was kind of giving us a little bit of runaround, and it's like uh, we have a three o'clock appointment with the title company. Are we closing today or not? And you know, my wife being my wife and the way she is, um, kind of similar to Kevin's wife. She, yeah, she gets on the phone and she's like, "I'll pack all my stuff right back up and head right back to Jersey. This could go. Like, oh, this, just end this whole thing now. Like, don't give us a runaround. Tell us if we're doing this, if we're closing today or not." And I'm just like, "Oh shit, okay." <laughs> like, yeah, you tell him, babe. <laughs> nice. But uh, yeah, we did end up closing. <laughs> it was like we ended up instead of a three o'clock appointment, we ended up going around four thirty. Closed. Got the keys to the new house and everything was all good. So that was Sunday into Monday for the closing. Um, some might ask, well, I brought a whole bunch of stuff down. And some might ask, what did I bring down? And and what I brought down was all my RC stuff. I you know, I wanted to make sure all my RC stuff got down there safe. So this is all my planes, all my helicopters, all my tools, my parts, just everything that's basically RC related. Um, and, you know, everything got down there safely. Kind of interesting. I, I hung up all the helicopters on like skid. I don't know what they are. Like they're like those wire shelves that people make into, you know, like helicopter um, wall mounts. And, you know, this, this trailer I bought had that set up. So I, I used that for pretty much all my helicopters except for two. The other two I had in, you know, big SAB padded bags and I put them on the shelf and I, I tied them all down, bungee cords and all this stuff. And all the helicopters on the wall stayed exactly where they were. But those two helicopters got tossed around a little bit. They're all good. They were in, you know, the bags. They just kind of fell off the shelf. But I was just interesting that, like, you know, these little wired shells with, like, little PVC pipings that kind of go across the skids to hold them down um, held up way better than, like, tying things down and, you know, all, <laughs> putting in all these bags and all this stuff. So... It's just an interesting notion that, you know, maybe these travel bags aren't always the best option, you know, when you're moving in a trailer or moving, you know, helicopters in a trailer. Um, yeah, so I got to the house, I unpacked all my stuff, all my RC stuff, and, and then we actually drove back um, Tuesday night or Tuesday afternoon and got, got home. You know, I, I was actually back around like, around like 10, 11 o'clock um, Tuesday night. But of course, you know, unpacking and all that work and stuff. I got home and I basically was just beat. Yeah, man. Um, yeah, and then of course we're you know I'm stupid and driven in some ways. I uh, packed up and said instead of going like ah let's go on Thursday like we originally planned, I'm like screw it let's go Friday let's go Wednesday night back right so that way we can have all day Thursday Friday Saturday Sunday at the you know new house and then we'll we'll. We'll come back Sunday uh, afternoon. Uh, original plan was to leave around six, seven, maybe even eight o'clock at night. I, you know, I estimated seven o'clock, knowing that we'll probably leave at eight, and that eight o'clock turned to be ten o'clock. It's a six-hour drive, and I didn't get to the new house until about four thirty in the morning after you know fuel stops and stuff like that. Um, boy, I was tired. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. I'm not young like I used to. I can't, I can't just drive through the night. Like I can't work all day packing up the trailer and then like jump into the car, jump in the truck or the trailer and and tow it down. 
um, for a six-hour drive right after. That was that was a tough one for sure. You know, of course, everyone's passed out in the car, and as soon as I get to the new house, I'm just like, <laughs> I just get out of the truck, go right to my bedroom, and I pass out. And um, and of course, my son, you know, who's three years old, wakes up at seven o'clock in the morning and wants to wake daddy up too. So that was kind of my Thursday morning is three hours of sleep. Like, what the hell am I doing up? Um, but it is what it is. Um, so you stayed at the new house, getting things set up, right? Getting the utilities turned on, got internet there, got some, you know, new furniture and built those things. Um, and the only thing that kind of RC related besides loading all my RC shit down there is I have a backyard and I was like, let me see what I can fly in the backyard. And I'm like, hmm, I don't think I can fly any of my goblins. They're just a little bit too big. At least not until I cut some more trees down. So I'm like, oh, let me try an Oxy-4. Why not? I haven't flown this thing in, in a long time. So I take off the Oxy-4 and I'm like hovering and I was like, oh, man. I remember this, this backyard being a lot bigger. Like, let me take some steps back <laughs> a little, right? Like there's like a little cove, like like a little opening in the trees and then it's like a, a round oval backyard. And I'm like, let me just go back in the trees a little and then I can fly in the oval part. And I was flying. It was fine, you know. I was doing a lot of pitch pups, you know. Above the trees? In the trees. Above the trees? In the trees. Okay, this is fun. Um, and then, of course, that gets boring quick. So I was like, all right, let me try putting around. And sure, I could put around upright and do figure eights. And I was like, okay, that's cool. Let's try some half pure flips. <laughs> and, you know, the half pure flips that I do are kind of like half pure stall and then like stops, like collective stops. And those are very interesting. I've never done them that low before, I got to say. Just, I guess, because I was trying to keep it within, like, the tree line and just kind of... And that close to me. Um, it wasn't, like, super close, but, you know, it just felt close. To when I'm, I'm used to flying in a big field and flying on the other side of the runway, even with an Oxy-4, right? So it kind of felt pretty big. and But it was fun. Um, uneventful. Takeoff was funny because the grass was pretty long, so I was definitely chopping some weeds with the tail blades um, before I took off. But yeah, I did a three-minute flight, no crashes, um, and I was able to like do my maneuvers right for the most part. You know, just kind of doing one at a time, making sure I reset and make sure my placement was good uh, before I moved to the next maneuver. But yeah, it felt good. Uh, and then I decided to fly a plane back there, and I was like, "What plane can I fly?" And so I bought a UMX Timber a long time ago. I think it was the last Ram show. Yeah, when I bought okay. that big 60-inch um, Extreme Flight. I also bought that UMX Timber for Chloe, but she kind of lost interest in flying. So I was like, you know what? This thing's never even been binded, never flown. I'm like, let me fly this. I find a battery that's 95% charge. Yeah, I know. Bad and and been that way for three years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a it's a two S two S three hundred, no eight hundred milliamp or something. It's something small. And yeah, it was like that for years. <laughs> it was probably charged at hundred percent and it's ninety five because it was sitting for at least a year. Um Hey, but I flew it. I only did like a two and a half minute flight before the battery went so low that it just the plane just flew, oh, wow. you know, came down on the uh, you know, low voltage cutout. But I got to fly it. Um, it's an interesting plane. 
it's like even when I try to fly slow, it's the backyard so fast that all I was doing is quick counter-rotating circles. So just like <laughs> going around me. I'm just like, not around me, but in front of me. I'm just like, uh, okay, let me try doing something else. Um, but I kept on crashing it. I kept on like going. I was doing things like literally a foot off the ground. <laughs> like I would toss it. It would just like droop down. I'll catch it. And I'll just about a foot off the ground. I'll just kind of do some circuits and stuff. Um, but it was fun. So I did get to fly a plane too, which was unique for me. Nice. Yeah. Um, that's about it. I mean, I came back Sunday night and then relaxed. And here we are Tuesday. Nice. All right. So, Andy, you want to go next? Sure. I did sim on Friday. Nice. Because, you know, I care about the show and simming with their <laughs> listeners. Oh, man. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> um, we had some new guys there this week, which was cool. Oh, yeah? And I can't remember their names. Oh, God. Because while I do care, I'm obviously an idiot. Uh, I have a list of some people here, so I'm sure they're in here. I just can't remember who was who, but the same normal crowd, Chuck Bowl, Cliff, David Hill showed up, which was cool. Nice. Ian, uh, John Partridge, Shaggy, of course, Rich Sowers, Quack JP. I think he's somebody that's new. I haven't seen. Of course, Steve from Florida, Steve Shaw. We had Steve M.H. and um, Gigacox. What was yeah. that? Gigacox? X, yeah, X-G-I-A-C-O-X. How would you pronounce that? Oof. I don't have a clue. No. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, so it was cool talking to those guys. Uh, I think they'll be back this week, possibly, maybe. Cool. We didn't scare them away too bad. That was fun. Uh, and I haven't flown this week, so I got to take a no fly. I did buy some stuff though. First oh, up, I bought a bunch of new podcast equipment, a new cool. microphone and a computer interface podcasty thing. No, it won't be here till f- it only shipped today because of the holiday weekend. Uh, okay. I should get it Friday. Hopefully nice. looking forward to getting that stuff and trying it out. Hopefully it works well. And I also bought the other pieces I need for the Oxy five, the servo mini servo mounts and the plastic skid pipe landing gear. Mm-hmm. So hopefully I can get that thing put together in the next couple weeks, maybe since it's just been sitting in the box for what, two months now. Yeah. So, so it's progress, even though it's very, very slow glacier speed progress. <laughs> glacier speed. You yeah. did take the canopy out of the box, though, you told me, right? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I had to fondle it, of course. Yeah, uh-huh. so you are making progress. Yeah. Yep, I took it back out of the box. Okay. Oh, and I ordered some bearings for the motor on the XL Power. So I'm going to try to get it put back together here sometime Okay. Next couple weeks as well. It's kind of been shoved to the side under the table. My question Mm. is, how is the willy nillies coming along? (laughs) Um, it's the same. Okay. I want to say slow progress on that, but really, I haven't touched it. 
there's dust collecting on it, does that count for anything? Well, yeah, that means something's happening. I mean, at least it didn't go backwards. You didn't put it back in the box or step on it or anything like that. <laughs> no. I, I glued all the balsa back into the tree. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> shipped it back. <laughs> yeah, and shipped it back. <laughs> <laughs> nice. No, I haven't done anything. I mean, I don't really have an excuse other than I'm lazy. I know. I put you on the spot. Yeah. That's that's all right. But I want to get this Oxy-5 together. I kind of feel yeah. like I need something to fly. No. Dude, I love mine, man. It's a good effing machine, dude. Yeah. Keep talking about it. I'm like, damn it. Why don't I get mine built? But right now, the only big heli I have is the gasser. Everything else has crashed. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, I have the Protos, I guess. But it, it needs some bearings or something. It's got a weird thing going on with it. I want to hear about Nick's last little bit. Urcha and Nats and yeah. what was going on with that stuff. <laughs> oh, well, it's been busy. It was good to go to an event and actually have some normalcy. Mm, nice. um, but uh, the turnout obviously was was pretty low for the U.S. Nationals, uh, even right. though it was a team trials. Um, but uh, the U.S. team for F3C will be uh, Mike Gozen, Nob Meraki, uh, and myself. And then the F3N team will be uh, Christy Monti and uh, AJ Jaffe and myself. So two, nice. two pretty good teams. So we're looking forward nice. to that. Nice, nice. nice. Uh, yeah. Gordy will be the team manager as normal, <laughs> um, mm-hmm. and uh, then Urcha came and and it was different, um, but it was actually kind of good. My first Urcha was two thousand and one, mm-hmm. and the only thing I can think of is that the size was very similar to that, right? Which is to a large degree a good thing because you actually get to see everybody and and kind of interact where right. those years like, that it got so big, it was hard to see everybody. Yeah. Look like even though less people, it would, would was a very fun event, kind of a small mm-hmm. scale or a, a big scale, small fun fly. Yeah, it was, that it was sense. great to see everyone there actually flying. Mm-hmm. Um, those years that there were 1400, 1300 people, uh, you, you didn't always get to fly. Right. <laughs> right. Um, and so this year you got to see people that were out there just hovering at a flight station. And a lot of times that didn't happen throughout those other years. So uh, a little more laid back, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was very laid back for, from a, someone in the industry standpoint, it was fantastic because you just got to hang out and Futaba decided that it was probably not a good idea to have a booth and to do product displays and stuff. Cause it's, that's a lot of sure. Sure. close interaction. Mm-hmm. So I put a tent out on the flight line and went out and flew with everybody. So it was, yeah. <laughs> I, I have not flown that much at Urza since probably 2004. <laughs> wow. So that's awesome, man. Yeah. That's yeah. Cool. I, I, I had a blast. This was probably one of the best ones in years. And, Nice. Cool. Anything else fun you've been up to lately? Um, No. Like, like we're talking earlier, I, I do drift RC cars. Gotten kind of big into that. Uh, since the last time I've been on the show, I 
I did buy a house out in the middle of nowhere um, with a separate shop for the helicopters oh. and airplanes and stuff. Nice. Uh, that is on a little over 30 acres. So oh. I now fly at home. Nice. Um, I only own seven of the acres, but the, the uh, other ones that I, I don't have neighbors to the opposite side of the road or to the mm-hmm. right or to the back. Um, actually, the backyard butts up to an apple orchard. Oh, okay. Um, so, and then I have one neighbor over to the left, and he's far enough away that the helicopters don't, they don't care. <laughs> All right. Nice. Um, and they, they've got a shooting range in their backyard, so we're pretty equal on the sound side of things. <laughs> um, I always say the best neighbors is no neighbors. <laughs> exactly. That's, yeah. that's been my mm-hmm. philosophy. Yes. Um, <laughs> I, I spent a lot of time growing up out in the middle of nowhere at my dad's house. Right. Um, and so when I moved to Huntsville, flying at a local field, while I enjoyed flying with all those guys, I am a bit of a loner. So it's kind of nice to be out here doing my own thing again. Nice. <laughs> um, I will say this is the first I've always lived in an apartment or lived at my parents' house. So owning a house is definitely a, a – and o- owning a house out in the middle of nowhere is <laughs> – had its challenges. Yeah, it's an adventure. Yeah, yeah. Um, tomorrow <laughs> I have hard. a half day off work to take care of a crawl space problem. So, yep, yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the, I, I decided to get the. I live on the, the next to the the. It's twenty six acres next door, mm-hmm. and um, it is next to a a river. So it is actually not. The reason it took so long to find this place was because I was looking for a place that I could afford where I didn't have to buy 30-some acres to fly on. Mm-hmm. Um, but it backed up to somewhere where there wasn't going to potentially be a Walmart in the future. Uh-huh. And it's on – since it's near the river and it's considered a flood zone, uh, actually it's not zoned for residential. My house is the first one next to that. Uh-huh. So the good news is I will never have neighbors. It's just cows over there. The bad news is, uh, when it rains, uh, I have humidity problems. <laughs> oh. Uh, so I decided to encapsulate the crawl space and put a dehumidifier mm-hmm. and everything down there. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's a good idea. Yep. I figured that's cheaper than dealing with mold later on. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Or rotting so, things, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So that's all before I start getting warped floors and other stuff. I mm-hmm. decided to take yep. care of it. Exactly. <laughs> but that's about it. <laughs> I, I did start, uh, since I've been on the show last, I did start back up Nick Maxwell products. Mm-hmm. And um, when I did it the first time, I had no idea what I was doing. And so I hope this time now, uh, being forced to learn how to kind of run a business with the Futaba side of things, um, which was not smooth at first either, but thanks to so many people it's smooth now. Uh, yeah. I hope I can keep my own business um, on the side going unlike what it was uh years ago where i just didn't i didn't have a clue what i was doing <laughs> so sure yeah well you gain you learn some right you adapted yeah. and and started up your nick maxwell product so um should we go right into that then yeah let's jump into it yeah all right so how did you start um what was the brainchild of this like how did you start you know nmp i guess we could call it uh-huh um, well, I was working for Curtis, and I was living in Texas, um, and that is Curtis's company, and he designs the products, and mm-hmm. um, 
I learned so much from, if anything, they, they kind of did it to me. I learned so much from him and his dad, um, that I started to want to develop my own products. Okay. And, um, I also, I was a little homesick. I, I wanted to go back home to Indiana. Um, obviously I flew a lot with my dad. Um, so I moved back home and, um, wanted to do some rotor blades and Vic Campbell and I are, are good friends. And so, uh, I reached out to Vic and I said, well, you know, what, what do you want to do about blades? I'm going to leave Curtis and kind of do my own thing. And we did V blades at first. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were real good. Uh, but I had come up with a design that I thought was different and that it was not a V blade. It was off the wall shaped, which was the helix one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and actually Vic was the one that kind of said, well, why, you know, do you have any interest in doing this on your own? You kind of need to do this. And, um, you know, Vic also wasn't completely interested in the distribution side. Um, he had done that for God knows since before Jesus. So he was kind of done with it. (laughs) And so I started it, but like I said, I had no idea what I was doing. I didn't take the time to learn how to make a website, to make an e-commerce site. Um, I didn't, we had a really good product <laughs> that could have that could have done way better if I would have had a clue about business. So I never really made any. We we had, we sold a lot of blades. Obviously, you see Helix all over the internet, and lots mm-hmm. of different places had them. I'm shipping them all over the world, but the company was not to the point where I had enough money that I could profit and invest into more products. <laughs> so right. Right. <laughs> um, when I went to work for Fatava, it just kind of slowly died off and then when i was tasked with with coming up with the distribution center for fataba um that pretty much just took over my life for the last two years right um and learning how to staff that and learning how to manage that was a huge thing i mean i had never been a manager before and all of a sudden there's seven people that are in a division that they're not hobbyists so they weren't already aware of what they were getting into. And, mm. um, so now just recently, um, we have a lot of changes that were made at Fataba. Things are really smooth. Um, the staff that we have there are absolutely amazing. Um, I can go to an event and come back and there won't be a single question. They just handle everything. Nice. Um, yeah, I am so proud of the team that we have at Fataba. Uh, and so I am no longer staying at the office until 11 o'clock at night. Um, <laughs> nice. That's even better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I, 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 quite honestly, I was a little bored. And so I messaged Vic again and I said, hey, we're not done yet. <laughs> 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 and he took on the challenge and we, we took it a little slower. We, we did. Um, actually, I have been flying Revo since I would say mid-January. Um, oh, wow. Okay. And. I knew that if I said anything online, I'd just shoot myself in the foot. So until we were actually ready to make stuff and start shipping. Um, cool. And when I got this house out here, the, the shop is, is pretty large. Actually, I have a drift track set up in there, too, um, that I can drift oh, in there so nice. Um, nice. on cement floor. Um, and I've put a little shipping center and stock center in one corner and built some workbenches for other stuff. And so it's now actually a realistic thing. So. 
Vic and I are at it again. He actually just broke his foot the other day. We would have more oh, blades, sure. but he, he dropped a mold on his foot. So, oh, dang. Um, Jeez. Yeah. So, <laughs> well, yeah. of course, <laughs> a month into this, we were doing great with getting an inventory and we brought a bunch yeah. of Urcha and then we had some right after and now he, now he broke his foot. <laughs> um, oh, damn. But he'll get himself fixed and we'll have blades again. Nice. So one other project is Mike DiPaolo. Um, oh, yeah. I've learned that he is uh, a genius uh, when it comes too. to electronics and things mm-hmm. like that. Um, and when he started doing that U-Glow, uh, I reached out to him and I said, hey, uh, what's your interest in me selling this as a Nick Maxwell product designed by Mike DiPaolo? Um Honestly, I had nothing to do with the development of that thing. He sent me one, and I put it on my helicopter, and I said, mm-hmm. holy crap, this thing works. It's great. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I said, what does it take? Uh, you know. And so I, I just said, okay, let's order the stuff we need, and we did it. And now we've sold, uh, I think, about 40 of those, awesome. so, wow, which awesome. for – yeah, for his first project and everything, it's been super smooth. Nobody's returned any, so <laughs> with, <laughs> nice. with, with electronics, that's impressive. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, he well, yeah, he put a lot of time into the yeah. design and testing. Yeah. God, he's been yep. working on that thing for like three years, so yeah. he should have yes. the bugs worked out by now. <laughs> well, I am extremely honored to be the one selling that so far. Um, nice. I think that I think that he's got a lot of bright ideas and a lot of future stuff that he can do on his own. And oh, yeah. uh, if there's any way that I can help do that, I will absolutely do it. So, nice. yeah. Um, some other stuff too, little stuff that I've used over the years, like soon I'll have a piston ring. I, you know, everybody takes the piston ring and what they do is the first thing they do to put it over the piston is they stretch it out and scratch the crap out of the top of the piston and, you know, warp the, warp the ring potentially so i've got a little tool it's just a, it it's the same diameter as the top of a 105 piston but it's tapered so you take the piston nice. and you push it down over there and it just plops onto the piston things like that little stuff that i can i've got a little lathe in my shop so i just mm-hmm. can hand make that stuff and a lot of the little 3d printed parts um oh, awesome. you know, 10 years ago or five years ago when 3d printed stuff came out you wouldn't sell it it looked like you know yeah. yeah, it looked like 3D printed. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty yeah. jagged. Yeah. yeah, it looked bad. And nowadays, yeah. you, you can actually sell this stuff, and it's cheap, and people, you know, it doesn't cost people an arm and a leg. So, mm-hmm. so I won't have to buy three pistons now when I go to replace one. <laughs> I'm sure well, I've done yeah. that. Four rings and three pistons. Yeah. 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 No, I I think that little stuff like that is unless you do it every day, you don't think about stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just little stuff that it's funny. I'll bring that stuff and it'll be in my tool case and somebody at a fun file. So well, what's that? And I'll say, Oh, well, that's what I use it for. And they go, well, why don't you sell that? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Right. Um, sure. and previous, I always laughed and I thought, ah, nobody wants that crap. But if, if it saves somebody a little bit of money and it makes somebody have a little bit better experience in the hobby, mm-hmm. um, those are the kind of things yeah stuff like that's great because we have a lot of people in the hobby that maybe don't have a mechanical background or this and that yeah Mm -hmm. so they're doing things so any kind of little 
help like that, a helping tool of some sort that's maybe mm-hmm. not too expensive. And even if you only use it a couple times a year, it makes that job so much easier. It's definitely mm-hmm. worth it. Yeah, exactly. And I think just like you said, you know, whatever we can do to keep people in the hobby and make it more enjoyable, that's, mm-hmm. that's yeah, what it's absolutely. about. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Sure. I remember Tony bringing a, whipping out a tool that he had that looked like a screwdriver and it was a hollow tube and it was tapered and it was to put the little grommet or o-ring piece across your prop on the front of those prop planes the prop savers and it's it sits on the screw and it plops right over and it makes it st- so much easier i was like oh my god dude where do i get one of those and yeah. he was like i don't know i got this years ago blah blah, blah. and i'm like that's such a great idea it's the little things like that that, like you're saying, make right, the experience right. that much better. Absolutely. And I think it's really cool that you take a guy like Topalo, man, and, and be like, hey, uh, want to sell that? I mean, that's freaking cool as shit. That's great. Yeah. <laughs> well, he, he, yeah, he did all the work. <laughs> yeah, no, but I mean, but, you know, he doesn't yeah, have an outlet he, for know, it. Right. He doesn't have a distribution. Yeah. Like, he could have gone on Facebook and probably sold him individually like that, but... You know, but it might have been a pain in the ass for him. Yeah, and plus he has the backing of Nick Maxwell. That's gonna boost confidence in people too of the product. And you know, I mean, like we know DePaulo because we personally know him, right? Like we've right. hung out with him and you know at events and stuff. So it's different. Like he making something, we're like, oh, that's gonna be good. Like we know it. Like when yeah. all he makes something, we're like, oh, that's gonna be good. You know, these guys are super smart. Right. They know how to make these things and they know how to make do the quality control and everything to make sure it's, it's done right. Um, and it won't cheap out on it, right? It's not like right. some yeah, company what, overseas trying to just make a quick buck, right? So. That's what I was going to say. I yeah, know right. personally that, that Mike has tested and mm-hmm. and reworked the circuit a couple times, you know, to make sure it's um, solid, hardened from any kind of interference and this and that. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, he, he really put the time and effort into making a very high-quality product. It's not, like you say, Steve, it's not just some cheap, knockoff yeah. kind of a thing it's it's right. really quality parts and quality design and quality thought right like just a thought mm-hmm. of like how am i going to do this how are we going to make this work and and that type of ingenuity right um absolutely so yeah sounds amazing well fuel him and get him to make some more cool <laughs> stuff for us <laughs> <laughs> yes, for sure. Yeah, I don't care if it takes three years. We'll get something new. Come on. Yeah, on yeah. It. We want something fun. <laughs> yeah. Sure. But the more people that know that that's a possibility too, they could say, "Hey, I came up with this or whatever." Maybe you know they yeah. can get in touch with you, Nick, and you might think it's a great idea. You could say, "Hey, send me a few of those and or whatever, and I'll put them in a test." I think it's worthy. Mm-hmm. I sell think it on your site. I sure. feel like that's something new that we've been seeing a lot of more. Uh, more frequently, at least, you know, with people making homegrown upgrades and adapters and, you know, like Keith William builds like a 3D printer, uh, 3D printed speed up system for a 470 line, right? Um, for the tail, you know, we have people like... Doug Darby doing his Doug stuff. Doug Darby. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that's I mean, more been like, there, but... Yeah, but like, yeah, oh. you can talk about JC Designs and, and their gas conversions, and you can talk about the Mopower OS slash right. YS, you know, uh, carb adapter stuff. Like, that's people, hobbyists Nitro looking, yeah, you know, yeah. Nitro Kraken, right? Yeah, like even Scott coming up with that kind of yeah. kicking that off to where 
SOBs like, oh, maybe we should make that. <laughs> yeah. You know, things like that where the hobbyist influences the market is very mm-hmm. interesting. It's a very interesting concept to see um, the development of that and just like seeing more and more of that these days. I think it's amazing. Yeah. Well, when you have outlets like 3D printing, is pretty easy to come across nowadays. And like uh-huh. I, I was talking about a while ago with the circuit boards, like just designing those and getting those prototyped dirt cheap, like 20 bucks, you know, yeah. uh, add your components and see if what you designed is going to work. Mm-hmm. That's uh, it. It makes it affordable for you know the average the, the Joe. Ba- yeah, the barrier to entry is a lot lower than it used to be. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, the hobby is all about entertainment. So if you find something entertaining, probably somebody else will too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> for sure, those little things like that, it just makes more people enjoy the hobby. Yeah. Right. Just great. Um, I want to dig into your blades a bit. You know. Okay. So you kind of gotten into a little bit of like of developing your own blades a little bit, you know, but what kind of drove you to want to start this new blade? You know, you said you had the helix line that kind of faded away and now you want You had another idea. And what was kind of like the brainchild of this Revo blades? Am I saying it right, too? Because I know they are smaller than the rest of the words. Oh, yeah, that's because we couldn't uh, – so I actually I was asking a, f- a friend of mine that works at Fatava too what we thought um, – well, actually, he's, he's one of our service techs, uh, Skyler, mm-hmm. and uh, we couldn't decide. We were all trying to decide what we should name these things, and some people liked Revolution, some people liked Evolution, some people liked all this, so we're just like, okay, let's just call them Revo. Because that's revolution, <laughs> evolution, you know. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> revolution, nice. you know. I mean, it, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, so, anyways, that that's how that came about. But the blades, the the big thing for me was the tip was already proven because it's a very similar tip to helix, except for it doesn't okay. go, it doesn't lean forward. The whole point behind the helix tip was the blue edge technology. Um, I had done a lot of reading on that, and um, basically, it's for sound but sound is is flutter um and with a 3d helicopter the tip fluttering is what you're hearing that sound so a louder blade is not good it's fun but Mm -hmm. it's it's it actually is sending vibration through the helicopter and the tip's fluttering uh so that's why helix were so quiet was that the tip was very smooth i wouldn't say that they were efficient per se um, okay but the air coming off of them was smooth, and it might have been draggy, um, but drag can be stability, and stability stops flutter. That blade really in itself flew completely different than anything else on the market. Some people loved it, and I'll be honest, some people hated it. With Revo, it was a completely different goal. Um, Helix flew well. There's lots of blades on the market that fly fine. I could mm-hmm. put most blades on my helicopter and I could go out and do the same freaking demo and nobody's going to know the difference. Right. They're all so good these days. What has been lacking is that with fly barless, the blade has to be stable to a certain point because there is mm-hmm. no mechanical stabilization. Right. So you don't want them to get pitchy in forward fly. You don't want them to sit there and porpoise and do other stuff, but that limits how quickly they can roll and flip. And I might not be able to do it anymore. I'm sure it's heck going to try, but I, I watch a lot of these young kids 
and in the back of my head, I remember what it was like for me at that age, flying helicopters that were nowhere near what we had today. In 2010, um, at the 3D Masters, I actually won the event, and people will say, well, you did a bunch of new stuff. All I can remember from that event is that I couldn't do what I wanted to do because the helicopter would blow up. <laughs> or, it didn't, or it didn't roll fast enough, or it didn't do. There was things that it was just lacking. That I okay, really? yeah, yeah. The scores were high, but I know I could have actually really done this. Right. Um, and so with Revo blades, the entire goal was to make a blade that could rotate quickly but still be stable, which is usually a catch twenty two. If mm-hmm. the blades are fast enough to do something cool, they're not stable enough to fly well. Or if they're stable enough to fly really well they don't just have this limitless roll speed. Yeah. And especially with stuff, everybody likes flying to music. I mean, you guys were talking about flight flight simulators. I'm pretty sure most people, when they're flying on the simulator, have music playing in the background or something just because it's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. And so with Revo Blades, uh, we made the blades super fast. I actually have a set that can roll at 720 degrees a second. Oh, my gosh. But oh, they fly yeah. horrible. They fly horrible. Right. <laughs> um so by changing the root and by changing the amount of drag at the root, by changing the tip and by changing the center of gravities and where the blades flexed and mm-hmm. how they flexed, um, we got them stable enough to where I can come across at full pitch and do a pass at 120 miles an hour. But at the same time, they will sustain over 425 degrees a second roll rate. That's amazing. Wow. wow. And fast. a lot of y- – y- it is fast. And a lot of it has to do with that root is super stiff. So if you notice, the root actually isn't the rotor blade like all the other blades. Mm-hmm. It t- it's, it's almost like a baseball bat handle that goes out into the blade. Yeah, like a cricket um, bat. <laughs> yeah, it is super, super stiff. Vic okay. found, when, I, when we explained, I said, Vic, the, the root has got to be stiff if we want to do this. Um, and he found a way to lay the carbon and lay some fiberglass in there and some other materials. I've crashed these things now and they don't break. <laughs> you can't break the root. Really? Um, yeah. Wow. If somebody goes out there and crashes and, and breaks it within the first 12 inches, <laughs> I will be absolutely amazed. But then immediately after that, the blade has to flex a little bit. It's got to cone a little bit because otherwise sure. when it gets in its own dirty air, it's just going to sit there and, and beat efficiency. itself yeah. into turbulence. Yeah. Um, so the blades have to cone a little bit. I do have to flex. So um, these blades, unlike most on the market, flex very parabolically. So if you grab the root and you grab the tip and you flex them, it doesn't make a U-shape. It actually makes like a – it's parabolic it it's more flexy at the tip and then it gets straight as you go to the root mm-hmm. and so that allowed us to to get the right cg the right weighting um and the root stiff enough and i think the biggest thing with this and i've told a lot of people that the coolest thing about these blades is it takes absolutely no skill to go out there and peg the ailerons and roll 425 degrees a second you just come across backwards and give it aileron it's going to do really fast rolls so it's something that every pilot that can do aerobatics can do and get enjoyment out of. So I'm hoping that the guys and, – and so far, the I think we've got 35 or 40 sets out there now. Um, everybody's enjoyed them. And that's what they say is they say it's cool. It, it, to a degree, it's a circus trick. But you go out there and 
it's kind of like hold my beer and watch this. You know, <laughs> nice. they can <laughs> anyone mm-hmm. can go out there and do a 400 degree second roll, and it's perfectly safe. You're not really risking your helicopter. No boom strikes or nothing. No, no, no. yeah. Because um, they well, not with yeah. the route the way it is, I wouldn't think. Right, right. Wouldn't yeah. flex yeah. enough to be, part of the be able to hit. Yeah. Well, and actually, a lot of times the the a boom strike is not caused by the blades flexing because you got to remember you've got weight in the tip, so you've got rotational mass that keeps them. It's not. You could have a, a noodle out there, but you've got you know 215 gram blade. There's probably 50 grams of weight, and mm-hmm. then you sling that at 200 2000 RPM. Think how much rotational mass is trying to keep it straight. Sure. Yeah. Centrifugal force. Yeah. Uh huh. So what causes a boom strike usually is the head teetering. So you've got the head axle, and what happens is, say you go forward, the head axle will ricochet off the instant. It'll bottom out, so where the damper or the axle can't crush any further down, uh-huh. and then it bounces back. And when it recoils, bouncing back off the inside of the head block, uh-huh. then, you, then you boom strike, because then it goes hard the other way. Right, right. It's snap. Like almost like snap over steering a car. It like goes one way and then you do too much and just snaps the other way real quick. Yeah, really wasn't, hard. Wasn't that your signature maneuver, Steve, a few years ago? Boom strike. <laughs> Only with one specific helicopter or brand, maybe. I don't remember. <laughs> I, I I've forgotten those days. Those are yeah. I don't boom strike anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you you can yeah. boom strike anything. Yeah. Any helicopter, <laughs> that was that was always the big debate. Was oh, you can't boom this, you can't boom strike this one. You know, can't yeah, can, you can you though? I mean, oh, like oh, a rigid yeah. head setup. Well, can you boom strike it as well? Just Absolutely, yes. Be way more aggressive, I assume. Like a four hundred fifty size helicopter, you can boom strike that too. Yes, anything anything where the the disc can be separated from the from the body, you can boom strike in a hover. You you you've just got to give the right pitch at the right time. You got to give negative and back elevator at the right time to get that advancing blade to come towards mm-hmm. the dome. Yeah. Um, but I yeah, had to learn that trick. <laughs> you bring it back. <laughs> Andy's pushing buttons over there. <laughs> I'm just being a dick. He's used to it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The the key is is that when you're flying, you don't want to try to purposely separate the disc from the boom or disc from the body. Um, so if you get it like rocking back and forth and then you start getting it to the point like where it's in an oscillation, then they usually, that's when they boom strike. Mm. Um, notice the reason, you know, when they, when most guys boom strike, it's, it's actually after you give forward elevator when they let go of the stick. So Nick, how long have you been working on these blades? We started flying them probably, it was either late January, or early February. The drawings and stuff I know were before Christmas. Uh, because we were talking, I was tr- I was trying to get a set before Christmas time. Um, so drawings and everything had been done before that. I think the molds he did in December. Um, wow! So not and, not so like that's pretty years quick. in the yeah. making. Yeah, that's amazing. Oh no, yeah. I mean, with Vic makes his own molds, so if if he's got a drawing, he can go make a mold. You know, on it, he's got a three axis CNC big. I guess a mm-hmm. tarmac. Um, and he's, he makes and finishes his own molds. And then he, unlike, you know, a lot of the blades, he makes these as a set. They're not, 
most blade factories, they will make, say, 100 blades, and then they match up the ones that right. balance. Yeah. Since Vic makes them as a set, um, we can he can pump out prototypes. I mean, if I ask him to make it a weighting change, he'll do it. He'll put a set of blades in that afternoon, and then he'll ship them to me, and I'll have them, you know, a day later. Wow. Wow. Oh, that's crazy. Yeah. That's impressive. So that's yeah. pretty quick, as long as he's not dropping things on his foot. Yes. Yeah. 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 It, it, it is very quick. Damn. Um, so, so when he makes a mode, he'll make two modes, or will he, or he builds a set like he puts away in the same spot, like you know when he builds it. Actually, you know when he's putting it together, I guess. Mean, you know, once he has the modes built and he's, he's, I mean, does he make the blades there, or does he like you guys ship it out, or have a blade manufacturer take care of it, or? Uh, all of the prototypes and everything he makes, um, okay. and produ- and production, he has made all the blades by hand. Wow. Um, so right now we only we actually do only have one mold for for Revo, mm-hmm. um, so that that limits him to about three sets a day. Okay. Um, but now the weighting is a separate thing. So the placement and stuff that is done when you're laying the materials in the blade. So, mm-hmm. for example, ours are are wrapped. It's the only one on the market that actually wraps around. It doesn't have right. like two halves that are sandwiched together. Right. Um, so what he does is he ties, he fixes the lead. He's got a got a melts the lead, forms it to what shape it needs to be for that particular design, mm-hmm. um, and then the safety wire is is put into that while the lead is curing. So that okay. that keeps the safety oh, wire on the lead. Yep. Um, and then the safety wire wraps around where the bolt hole goes. Mm-hmm. Um, and so as long as he knows those variables and he makes the lead the same length, the same weight, and the safety wire the same weight, and the coil at the end for the around the blade mm-hmm. is the same, he just lays it in there and then folds the blade over. Wow. Um, and and he, ma- he actually makes, believe it or not, he makes some pre-preg too. Um, he couldn't get consistent enough pre-preg, so he made a, a little assembly to, to make and saturate the pre-preg. Wow. Um, and his pre-preg comes out ungodly identical. Right. Um, so if he even has to balance the blade, it's purely off resin weight. Mm-hmm. So he just finds the, obviously finds the, the heavy blade, finds out where the CG is and matches the light blade to the heavy one. Yep. Awesome. But yeah, they're, they're all very consistent. And that was the biggest pro- problem with the Revo blades. Um, everything is right on the edge when it comes to CG. Um, right. So if they weren't consistent, um, I'll be honest, in testing, we had two sets that were so identical that even when I checked the balance, I really couldn't figure out what the deal was, but they just flew completely different. Um, and then he went back and revamped one of his processes, and now then he sent three more sets of blades, and then they all flew identical. So <laughs> mm, Nice. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Vic is like a Mike DiPaolo of composites, so right. That's awesome. I, I usually don't ask questions. I just say, "This is what happened." <laughs> <laughs> just trust the man. Trust trust the process, right? Yeah. <laughs> nice. And and I've cra- I've crashed several of them too. So <laughs> <laughs> I've crashed three sets of Revo so far, and, and they've all held together. So that's good. Nice. 
it's just amazing the time frame like we we're talking about earlier with the you know being able to prototype stuff at home just mm-hmm. i think it's it's part of the whole thing uh, as, as far as the the small hobby getting be getting to be able to do that you know really quick mm-hmm. like that so that's mm-hmm. amazing man well i think you know and i've always said this and especially growing up in the hobby um when it was even smaller years ago there are so many intelligent people in specifically helicopters and also pylon racing, pylon racing airplanes, because that is what draws, you know, if you're an engineer and you see this little helicopter and you look up close and you see all the little bolts and all the bearings and everything, it's Uh intriguing to most of those people. Right. And so I've always kind of, felt that the reason helicopters are so advanced compared to some other categories of RC, not bashing them, but uh-huh. and FPV racing. That's I'm sorry that I completely forgot about that one. That's another one. I mean, you got like kids at MIT that are big into FPV racing. Well, these kids are out there making robots that yeah. talk to you and, you know, are eventually going to be handing you your Wendy's. The stuff that they can do for the hobby is incredible. Uh-huh. Um, pylon yeah. racing guys are always the same way because you know you gotta make an engine go fast. So, right, you're always on that edge. Um, mm-hmm. yep, yep, yep. Yeah. So a lot of the innovations in helicopters come from the guy that might not be the the best pilot in the world. He's not out there, you know, winning competitions, but for a living, he makes something that's ten times more complicated than what we're doing. So finding those guys and tapping into them, I think, is the <laughs> is the hard part. <laughs> Is the key, yep. Yeah. So when you started developing the Revo Blades and kind of had an idea, you had a rough design and rough idea of what you wanted. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, how did you know to do this parabolic flex type blade and and how long to make the roots so that it's so stiff? Like, how did that just, like, how did you develop that? How did, What was the R&D process looking, look like? It's an entire freaking guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> No, I mean, based off experience. So you go back and I look at the helix rotor blade and span wise, those were pretty flexy. Well, why? Because the airfoil had reflex in them. So it had a real thin airfoil. So, okay, I want a stiffer blade in Revo. So what do I have to do? You can only throw but so much carbon in something before it weighs 820 grams. (laughs) So you have to compensate. So, okay, I need to find an airfoil that I know works well, but is also a little thicker so that I get more rigidity. Mm-hmm. Um, so the Revo airfoil actually um, is largely based off the, the Radix, um, Curtis Young Blood Radix blades. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they flew well. I knew the airfoil worked really good and the blades can be stiff because it doesn't have that reflex in the trailing edge. Okay. So it's kind of that, and you just kind of look at it, and then you look at it crooked, and then you look at it the other way, and you think, okay, wait a second. I had this rotor blade, and that thing flew horrible, and it looked like that. So I don't, I don't want to do that. <laughs> right. right. Um, a, a lot of it's based off that. Regarding the flexing, that was testing. So we started out with a blade that was softer because I, I personally like soft blades. Mm-hmm. Um. And the collective pitch wasn't, they were depitching. It was obvious. Um, okay. So then we just slowly added more carbon to them. Like the first set 
had the exact same center of gravity or the same weighting, but it weighed 190 grams. I said, okay, we got to make it a little stiffer, a little further out. Um, right. And so the next set actually had a very similar center of gravity because he moved the weight to keep this because they, they flew well. They just flexed a little too much. So he moved the weighting so that even with more carbon, the center of gravity was the same, but it had more carbon in it. So they weighed about 212 grams. But if the center of gravity is the same and the airfoil is the same and the blade is the same, you're increasing your amount of rotational mass because the whole disc is a little heavier. But generally speaking, they're going to react about the same. Um, for example, a lot of it has to do with, with where the weight is simply because unslung weight isn't doing anything. Mm-hmm. So if you strapped 15 pounds to the center of your rotor head, yeah, your helicopter is going to be 1,500 pounds, but it's still going to rotate as fast. Mm-hmm. It's unslung weight. Yeah, but the further the weight goes out. Y- yes, and then you've the got more. more yep. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and that affects how the helicopter flies gyroscopically. It affects how the amount of rotational mass and just the energy of the blades. It also affects how quickly it can rotate and change directions because of inertia. But it's all trial and error. There's actually a guy, I met him at Urcha this year, um, and he has like some sort of dynamic flow analysis. And I'm going to send him a drawing of the blade, and he's going to put it in his computer system mm-hmm. and i fully yeah. anticipate that computer system is going to come back and say who's the idiot that designed these <laughs> inefficient, um, inefficient, inefficient. Y- yeah error error <laughs> yeah yeah exactly um but for toy or for model helicopters that yeah. is in, it's it's entirely based off experience or not experience um uh entertainment and feel we want it to feel good mm-hmm you know, when you're flying it, the helicopter may be the most efficient helicopter out there probably doesn't fly that well because it's probably like flying a fish. I mean, the thing's probably darty and, you know, it, it doesn't yeah. feel like it tracks well. Okay. Uh, it's kind of like a speed helicopter. If you've flown a speed helicopter, you realize that, yeah, when they're hands off, they fly pretty straight. But the yeah. second you get that thing crooked, yeah, I mean, it just darts off because it's so slick that it's, you know, fishtails everywhere. Mm-hmm. You never know, Nick. You might come hear from that guy, and he might say, "Actually, surprisingly, you're right on the mark with his data." You know, if he does, I'm taking it to NASA. Not. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's probably, it's funny the way things work out like that. You know, yeah. you you just yeah. kind of like quote unquote eyeballing it, uh, and just right. going by the feel, and probably going to work out to be similarly to what his data finds. It very yeah. could be. Did yeah, it I think with, oh, sorry. Go ahead. Uh, did it take a lot of attempts? I mean, like, how close were you the first set? Like, mm-hmm. just out of the box, guess, think this will work. Or did, uh, did it take a while to really dial it in and refine it? To get a flyable blade, it doesn't take much because of just, one, how much experience Vic has with blades. And two, since we're not doing anything completely revolutionary um we're doing stuff that's different or that maybe hasn't been done actively in rc but they just kind of flew um in terms of getting them to the point of where i said okay now they're doing what i think is worth selling 
um, was, I believe, six sets. Six oh, changes. That's not bad. That's not yeah. six iterations. Is not bad. No, that's that's yeah. not bad. At all. I mean, that's good. Yeah. Yes, uh, and I think some of that does come with experience. Um, right. Helix, well, of course. We, yeah, Helix, we did over twenty for the seven fifteens. Okay. Um, and a lot of that was related to flex. I think some of it's getting lucky, and also some of it is how good the equipment is these days. Flybarless systems now, right. compared to what they were in two thousand twelve or thirteen. I have actually never shut the gyro off and just flown Revo where I have with other blades. The gyro might be doing a lot. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> right. That's actually an interesting test. I need to do that. Um, I need to just fly it straight and with no gyro, no nothing. Because flybarless helicopter is flyable. It just feels like it's out of trim all the time. Um, it feels like it's drifting. Uh, I need to do that and see how much the gyro is doing. Versus, right. yeah, that would be neat to compare to maybe other blades that you already know kind of how they react. Yep, exactly. One more thing on the list to do on a weekend. <laughs> well, and hopefully you don't curse us out if you have a bad time with it. <laughs> oh no, I'll, I'll probably just learn that they're really unstable and that you just want to leave the gyro on. <laughs> yeah, you're like, oh, go back to the other bag. Turn yeah. It back on. <laughs> yep. yeah. yeah, put it on a switch so you can turn it on and off real quick. <laughs> yeah. I don't anticipate too much because they, do, they don't get pitchy. Um, you can come down like do a speed pass with them and they just track, track fine. So there is some inherent stability there for sure. Yeah. yeah they sound fantastic, actually. Yeah. Can't wait, can't wait to get a set. Yeah, me too. Well, well out. thank you. I, I appreciate it. I think I know Mike DePaulo and Shaggy. They're bugging me for six hundred millimeter blades. Mm. Um, yeah, let's let's talk about that. Uh, are you going to make? So first of all, what made you pick seven fifteen millimeters? Like as your first uh, line of blade or size? Uh, of blade? Entirely because that is what I know. Okay. To be completely honest with you, I don't even have a six hundred size helicopter. <laughs> right. Um, Anything smaller than a 90 size, or a, I guess what, a 700 size, Yeah, I don't particularly enjoy the feel of it. Um, obviously, you guys know, I like to do autos. Um, mm-hmm. uh, I also like, uh, my flying style is very much drive it around versus cyclic motions. And a 600, I think, does better cyclically than what a 90 size does because it's less disc so it kind of moves more freely mm-hmm. um but the collective feel doesn't have that kind of i kind of like it when you're doing tiktoks or if you come back and you stop it with the pitch that you kind of like kind of stops your breath for a little bit because it's you can just hear hear the noise and you can and it just turns on a dime or a 600 yeah. there's a little bit more of a leg to it mm. and that's one big thing is i i look Mike and Shaggy in the eye, and I said, I, I'll be honest with you, I said, I'd love to do 600s, but I really don't know what would make them different from anybody else's. And I'm, I, it's not really profitable for us to really even make these um, mm-hmm. in terms of like money-wise. So for us to go make a 600 blade, which has nearly the, the same amount of carbon as a 715, and the same mold cost, basically it costs the exact same to make the blade, but you have to charge, you know, thirty, forty dollars less. Um, at that point, if you can't do it, 
then it's might as well just find one that works good on the market. I know spin blades has a really good 600 millimeter set, you know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I've heard, I've heard that the new MS composites are real good too. Mm-hmm. Um, so if, if there's like something, and that's what I asked Mike and Shaggy, I said, is there something in the rotor blades that are currently out on the market that you've tried that you just sit there and say, man, I wish they do this. If I knew that, it would give me some parameters to maybe go out and start testing and try to make something that isn't already out there. I say just keep cranking out 715s and tell them to get a bigger Haley. <laughs> right? Yeah. The bigger ones fly better. That's what I can If you start making me. 600s, that's mean less 715s you're going to make. So just keep mm-hmm. making 715s so everyone gets a set. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. That, that will be our goal for sure. <laughs> But, um, I would imagine as smaller you go, like even if you went down like 550 or something, the less advantage you get out of this design, I would I would guess. Like you, I guess that's what you're saying, that when you get into the smaller blades, they all kind of do the same because they naturally flip and roll quicker anyway. Yeah. Is that yeah. fair to say or am I completely wrong? No. Yeah, no. Uh, I agree with you. Yeah the sole goal of the Revos was to come up with something that could be faster. So you could choreograph the music better, or you could just do, like I said, just that kind of circus trick thing where you're at your local flying club and just peg the aileron and all of a sudden it starts to blur. You can kind of do that with some of the stuff already out there. At least I know the four fifties, that's where this whole kind of idea came about was we were, we were in Japan and, one of the Japanese guys turned the control rates up on his 450 and it went up and it just turned into this little ball in the sky. <laughs> and I thought, Hey, that was pretty cool. <laughs> um, how do we make a 90 size do that? Yeah. Um, but so, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the advantage would be. If somebody said, well, we want a 600 blade that really autos well, by the time you get the tip weight out there, they might not go that fast. Right. Sure. So, and that's Speak. and that's fine. I mean, if if the market needs a blade that auto is really good for a six hundred, maybe they won't go as fast. But people could enjoy a auto right. blade or something. Yeah, sure, sure. Speaking of autos, how do these like how do they perform? Different types of autos. That is a very interesting question. So for me, I love the way they auto because they spool fast. Okay. So if you're doing aerobatic autos and oops, I gave the wrong pitch, and you start to see the blade strobing. They're really, you can get it back, but because that, that CG is a little further in, they don't have the hang time. So if you're, if you're like a hang time auto where, where you like to come in and then right before you land, pop it up for a couple seconds, they're not going to do that well. But if you're doing a rolling auto or if you're doing a flipping auto where the blades need to maintain inertia and where you mess up sometimes and you just have to get them recovered quickly. They do that really well. Okay, cool. Good for blade stops. Yeah, they, they really are. And the strange thing is every heli- every two blade helicopter I've ever had that I do a blade stop with, it gets into this like tumble sometimes. Yeah. And when it does that, you can't get it out. <laughs> yeah. Um, these don't do that. And the only thing I can think of is that there's less area around the root of the rotor mm-hmm. head. Nice. Oh, so too. Yeah, yeah, I know what you're saying. Mm-hmm. There might just be a little less leverage on the, I don't know. Yeah, but I got to try that. 
yeah, they don't get into the tumble. Hmm, very interesting. Um, what about the actual design of the blade, right? Like how you have it. It, it almost looks like, I don't know if that the tip is painted or if that's like a matte type of carbon fiber on it or like the way that it's designed. Like how did you kind of go around that and, and get that developed, the look uh, of it? That is a really good question. Um, and I'll be honest with you. Uh, I have been sworn to secrecy. I'm not going to say how that oh. was done. <laughs> oh. um, Vic came up with that. He had another customer that he did for, I don't even know if it's RC related. He does some industrial work, um, industrial composites work. Um, okay. And he figured out how to make that like that. They come out of the mold. That's not a sticker. That's not paint. Oh, so they come oh, out like cool. it's part glossy and that tip and part, being like and a part matte. matte. Yep. That mm-hmm. is cool. Wow. I actually have a couple sets that are all matte. Really? <laughs> uh, yeah. And and then the word is shiny, but the rest of the blade is matte. We opted against that just because the whole blade looking like that, mm. <laughs> you didn't really get the effect. Sure. Yeah, it kind of looks um, too much. All right. Yeah, but uh, Vic came up with that. He sent me a picture and he said, what do you think? And I think my response was, hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely looks cool. Yeah. yeah. Yep. And the, the amazing thing is that shows up in flight. So even though it's not a color, the right. way that the sun reflects on it, uh, you actually still see a disc. Oh, nice. cool. How did they perform under the lights? That is a good question. I have never flown these under lights. It sounds like I need to go to a fun fly and do it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Sounds like you got to go to fall mode down because they do night flying there. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Cause I, I actually, with um, the Corona stuff, uh, I did not stay out very late. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm very fortunate that my mom lives in Indianapolis. So at Urcha, I went back and had a home cooked nice. meal. So awesome. Um, nice. I did not stick around for the the night flying. I regret that now because that would have been kind of neat to see. I think maybe Keith Williams, he might have flown his under the night uh, under the lights. Mm. Um, Mark Griggs might have too. Nice. So we'll have to ask them. Yeah. Are you thinking of doing anything else, like maybe a, a set of tailblades to kind of match with the seven fifteens? Y- yeah, um, I would really like to. Tailblades are a little hard to make um, mm. in mass quantity. Uh, so they might not be made by Vic, but I do have a, an opportunity out there to do a tailblade. Um, and, and I think probably try it. Um, oh, that'd be cool, yeah. The biggest thing is, like I said, if, if I'm going to do it, I want it to be something different. I have no intentions to make something just to go out there and compete against somebody else. Um, that truly flies the same. Uh, so tail blades are very dependent on RPM and mm. that affects your terror gain. Right. As you change RPM, your terror gain has to change a lot. So I would like to look into a way to potentially weight a tail blade <clears throat> so that when the RPM is less, it leads a little more, which is effectively a higher gain because a leading mm-hmm. blade is going to be more reactive. But then as you spin it up higher, it tends to lag, which is a more stable blade, which means it's going to deep. might put a little bit more load on the tail servo, but it will essentially 
tolerate a higher gain. So your gain spread, like in a hover, I set my terror gain at 100%, which is a 1600 head speed. But then for 3D at 2200, I have to knock it down to 50. Right. Um, it would be kind yeah, of cool. Would be yeah. Really cool if it's kind of dynamic like that. Where it's sort yeah. Of, yeah. That'd, um, that'd be fantastic. I think for the guys doing overspeeds, that would help a lot too. Yes. Mm-hmm. Well, yes. like myself, where I fly primarily kind of lower head speed, you know, 16, 1700, but every now and then you want to kick it up to 2000, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, I would, I mean, that'd be awesome. Mm-hmm. Well, that that's good to hear. And I think there might be a way to do it, um, but we, we need to test it before I. Sure. <laughs> Oh, that'd be cool. Frank. So, Nick, are you working on anything else other than Blades? Anything else to bring out to the website um, that you could talk about? Oh, well, yeah, from Nick Maxwell Products, I'll, I'll tell you all whatever. Um, the only thing I would actually really like to do, and I don't know how to do this yet. I'll have to do a little research on whatever plugin I'll have to find. Uh, I would like to create a forum, not to compete against, like, Run Rider or uh, Heli Freak or any of the, or even Facebook now has kind of turned onto the, turned into a mm-hmm. forum, but something more to discuss certain products and how to use certain products. Uh, I'll be the first to admit I'm terrible at marketing. I don't make videos. I know there's a lot of these other uh, top pilots who are really good about making videos about the product. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm just scatterbrained enough that I don't sit down and focus to do it. Um, but I think if I had a forum on the website, um, I could more directly interact with people mm-hmm. and get ideas from people. If they say, hey, the Revo blades don't do this well. Um, sure. If that's all in one location, uh, it would be a lot easier for me to gather market information and say, okay, um, it looks like there's 25 guys interested in this. If I can sell 25 sets, that's you know, I'm not going to come out way negative on doing it. Right. Um, and two, I, I like promoting the idea of exchanging information um, because not everybody, not, uh, there's always 20 different ways to skin a cat. And mm-hmm. if the more you share your ideas, I think potentially the better things in the future could end up. For sure. And, um, I will be entirely honest, although I, I hate to think that this is true. I think that helicopters have become a little bit stagnant over the years. There hasn't been anything, mm-hmm. you know, fly barless and electric were a huge revolutionary thing. And then direct servo linkages. Yeah. And the technology has just gotten really, really good. But there hasn't been anything. Groundbreaking, like revolutionary. Y- yeah. Um, and I have no idea how to help participate in someone or something coming out with something like that but if there's a place that somebody could say i've tried this and this does this that could help maybe and i think a forum would be a good thing to do that mm-hmm. um yeah like a discussion board you know it doesn't have yeah. to be like a forum forum like like how freak or run rider but like more of a a place to get you know information and also a place to share information kind of like a bulletin board or discussion yeah. boards Get a conversation going about whatever. Yeah, I did a. No, I was going to say like a couple of things that you're mentioning is very like open source type of mentality. You know, like Mm 
get the community to share the not to take on burden but to share like their discoveries and and burdens and things that are issues right that come up with products or things and have things get better and you know you kind of kind of went into just a little bit but with the the quad stuff right the fpv stuff that Mm -hmm. technology blew up so quickly because you had those MIT kids getting into it and those other really smart engineers and it was open source. A lot of the beta flight, flight controller, you know, the OS, the firmware for it, it was all open source. So it it just, the development was super quick on it and and super agile. And every every couple days is a new firmware. Right. And it it advanced that so quickly. Think about if we did that with fibrous units, if we made more fibrous units open source, that like the development of, you know, yes, you have blades that could do 420, but you can also maybe possibly have a fibrous do any blade to make it 420 revolutions per second, you know, like, you know, the the electrical and the engineering bounds of like what we see now is, is because this is how far we could have, the people in it can think of, right? Like the companies that are in it can think of. Mm -hmm. You add the people, and, and that's the community to advance that even further. Like, that's what I'm seeing now, which I'm really liking. You know, it's that people are hacking up the helicopters and doing things and making improvements on their own, with and and then telling the companies, or and they might pick it up and make it a, a version upgrade or make it something. But I love that the community is their input is now being um, considered, right? Like, yep, exactly. Yeah. Yep, and a lot of that is, you know, there might be some guy that works on cruise controls for Nissan or something. Mm-hmm. That's a PID control loop. That's yeah. exactly what our governors work on. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> a cruise control is a is an RC helicopter governor, and right, and right. he he might say, well, I know the fix for this, but I don't have a connection to Fatava, or I don't have a connection to yeah. VR, or I don't have this. So, and he also doesn't, you know, it's a hobby for him, so he's not going to go out there and make his own. Right, um, but if you give him that outlet, he could share his information. Yeah, like just at least the idea, or like maybe a path forward, thinking in a different way, that can revolutionize this industry. You know, it can go from what we think of this hobbies and what the helicopters, the capabilities of helicopters, and then blow it out the water with just exactly. one like revolutionary change, right? You know, a yep. lot of people say limitations right now are like batteries, right? Batteries are a limitation. You can only fly for so long and only give out so much power. Our batteries give out a high amount of output, man. You know, only for three, four minutes, but they're freaking, you know, they, they produce power, huge yep. bursts of power, right? Um, and you want more. But think about the folks that fly Nitro. They're like, my 91's been doing, <laughs> been able to do all your maneuvers that you do, you know, with no problem. It's, it's, you know, so yeah. it's like it's interesting where where the the industry can go. You know, with with just a simple idea or simple technology advancement. Yeah, and that's exactly a perfect point that you just brought up. That a a nitro helicopter can do exactly what an electric does when it's set up properly. Mm-hmm. But the key is getting it set up properly, and instantly. Not everybody has. You're not gonna have instant success. Oh right. Yeah. No. No. Learning curve for sure. So what does an RC nitro helicopter need? It needs a fuel injection system or an ECU. Yeah. So if the nitro engines were ECU controlled like your car, people would have more success with them. Mm-hmm. And more people could reap the benefits. 
and I'm sure there's probably a lot of people that got a nitro helicopter said, heck with this, and <laughs> quit flying, possibly. Um, yeah, I mean, and, especially back in the day, right? Like, that yeah. learning curve was mm-hmm. so huge. It's so yeah. hard to get into nitro, and that's all there was, so. I really hope EFI is the next thing for, for nitro engines. That would be. It's tough. That's got to be tough to develop. Hey, DePaulo, EFI. Yeah. <laughs> Work on that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but things like that, you know, the more mm-hmm. brain power you can get towards it, the better. Yeah. Yeah, that would be awesome. Someone can develop, like, that you would know, be. it would have to be four-stroke, I guess, at that point. I don't think it could be continued to be two-stroke. But to do, like, a, a fuel injection system with timing and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, then now you're, like, talking about, like, automotive world, right? Like, motorsports world where you, like, yep. can mm-hmm. – you can, you know, you could have the same exact motor, and sure, you can tune it, but you could also build it a little bit differently, right? Make yeah. it a little more power or this on the high end, low end, and all that stuff. Um, yeah, if I'd be very interesting. I just don't know if they'd be able to. You have to make that so small, right? And that's miniaturizing things to fit on a 700 size heli without adding, you know. Yeah, that, that's the problem right. right now is the power to weight ratio of a. An EFI four-stroke type engine. Uh-huh. All the sensors and the other crap that's got to go with it. But yeah. it would be really cool if we could do it. Yeah, for sure. I think uh, solenoid is also an issue because the RPM is so high. It's hard mm-hmm. to find solenoid that could pulse accurately. Um, right. But that doesn't mean that you can't just put some sort of solenoid and pressurized fuel tank on a two-stroke nitro. Right. Do it like throttle body injection. You know? Yes, exactly. Yeah. Just have it go straight to the straight to the jet. Um, okay. That way you're then, not having to to sync with the the engine. You're just pulling the fuel air, but you have control over the fuel air mixture all right. the time. Exactly. That'd you're probably just, be the best way to do it. But you yeah. still have to to with like a the engines we have now. The two stroke finding a sensor that can handle the oil and stuff is a problem. You know the exhaust right. sensors and stuff to make it work. Oh yeah. The thermocoupler for the exhaust should be easy. I think that that won't be a big, a big problem, but finding that solenoid and finding the, the way to get it to, to go into the jet would definitely be hard. Sounds like Andy's figured it out. <laughs> uh, I don't have a clue. <laughs> so Andy does the, the, you know, the mechanical side, right? Like the, the raw CNC side. And then the pilot could make all the brains and just make all the, you know, yeah, yeah. Logic well, to make it yeah, work. That, that's the, the the other big hurdle to it is writing the the fuel map and stuff. Yeah, the logic, if, the code, and everything. Yeah, the the, the brains of the unit. Mm-hmm. You know, interesting interesting things that you can do. You know, I mean, you look at cars today; they're all computers. There's not, you know, mm-hmm. like the birth of OBD two and and beyond. It's like everything is managed by the computer, and they make everything right like you can make anything uh like super smart like the way cars are engineered so i don't know just need a lot of mike DePaulo's, scott grams some andy's you know throw it on the pot and see what comes out of it after a year that'd be an ugly <laughs> <Yeah>. pot <laughs> it sure would be ugly and probably pretty smelly but you know what at the end of the year you might have something really really cool <laughs> and technology does get smaller and smaller i mean yeah. anything any electronic type stuff Always gets mm-hmm. smaller. Yeah. 
for sure. I mean, just thinking about like computers and a CPU right. and the nanometers of, you know, 75 nanometer freaking CPUs. And you're like, what? It's, we can't even tell. Like, it's so, it's so, those dials are so tiny. They're so, like, I don't know. It's it's amazing stuff what technology is these I have days. a Game Boy running 10,000 games I used to play when I was a kid. And it's the mm-hmm. size of a Game Boy. Yeah. That All running an, off of a, what? Raspberry Pi? Yeah, that was an entire arcade back in my day, you know? Yeah. Maybe at 100 yeah. games. Right. That used to be huge circuit boards, you yeah. know? They had yeah. to, like, chunk and slide boards into contacts, and here's the upgrade for it. And ka-chunk, you know? Like, yeah. it's, not, it's crazy. It's crazy yep. the technology. So I, I see that there, there's a future that that we can see leveraging this type of technology into our hobby more and more. Mm-hmm. That would be amazing. Yeah. All right. Um, so kind of going back, I know, you know, Futaba USA, we spoke to you about it a while back, you know, I think when it was first mm-hmm. kind of starting up. Um, well, how's business now? Like, how's things been now that you're kind of established? And I know you said it was a lot of uh, a huge learning curve for you, right? Like, Yes, for sure. Um, it was definitely rocky at first. Um, for those of us that ordered in the first couple months and even first year, I do apologize some of your packages took too long and we didn't have stock and things like that. Um, mm-hmm. Things are, are very good now um, in terms of the actual uh, operation side of the shipping, the ordering. Um, and I am incredibly proud of our team at Stava for, for the accomplishments. Um, nice. Everybody really came together and, uh, and we've got that pretty dialed now. Um, I will admit and, and I apologize to customers. We have lacked on our marketing and our, our tutorial information. Um, but for 2021 and the remainder of this year, we are going to heavily focus on that. And um, we, we actually we looked into getting an outside video company to kind of help us with some oh, cool. videos and things like that. Um, I am by no I can I can drive iMovie at a probably 10-year-old level. So uh, <laughs> we definitely need some help, but uh, we're going to get there. And I am very thankful to all those customers that have that have supported Fataba and uh, stuck with us through all this. And it's the same great products that we've always had. It's definitely mm-hmm. under a new roof now. Um, but uh, I hope we can keep all those those loyal loyal customers as well as new customers that have considered it but haven't done it. Um, We'd like to make their experience as good as possible. Awesome, man. Uh, we are really happy that we've got integration now. And I know realize it's only on the 32MZ. Um, uh-huh. I promise there will be things to correct that in the future. But um, but the, the integration now is pretty cool. I, I When VBAR came out with that, I, I instantly said, wow, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Um, and uh, thankfully now Fataba has uh, had the opportunity to catch up with that and and on our big transmitter, we've got it, and uh, I can assure you that there's always things being developed at Fataba, So, Yeah, so I'm hoping that'll trickle down to the more affordable versions, I guess? Or Yes, that is absolutely the plan. Nice. Uh, um, maybe not else? existing, oh. maybe not existing models. I do have to, do have to warn that, that um, yeah. a lot of our transmitters are at a memory capacity. Mm. Um, and so the hardware really has, that's a big change to add integration and a lot of new screens and things like that. Yeah. So, but the good news is there's always the future and, uh, Mm -hmm. 
Fataba may be a little slower sometimes, but usually when we do it, it's done right at the end. So, sure, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I think integration is kind of the the newest innovation in our hobby. Mm-hmm. You know, yep. I would say I guess in the last couple of years that we've seen, you know, uh, I, you know, granted, all three of us haven't been in the hobby, you know as long as you have. So we haven't seen so much change that you've probably seen from when you started, you know, to now. Um, but I think things like, you know, I like that companies are pushing, right? Like Futaba was, I don't know if other companies done this, so forgive my ignorance, but um, mm. I believe Futaba was the first company to to offer 760 Pulse for cyclic servos. Yep. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and that, that type of um, hand-in-hand integration with your Flybrows unit, and these, you know, the the, the servos, H seven hundred servos, is amazing, right? It's just great. And can you tell us, like, have you done any? Were you doing any testing with it, or did you, you know, were you involved in any of the testing and the R and D of that, or, or is this something like Futaba's like, here, Dick, you want to try something cool, <laughs> you know, and had you, <laughs> you know, new upgrade uh, firmware, and you say, yeah, just adjust this to seven sixty. Let's see how it goes. Uh, uh, yeah. So I actually am. Uh, heavily involved with the testing and development of awesome. helicopter electronics for Futaba. Mm-hmm. The 760 thing uh, uh-huh. w- was brought up to Japan a couple years ago, and um, the engineers r- ran with it. Um, obviously, I-, I don't know how to write code. I don't know how to do that stuff. But um, having a general understanding of tuning PID and how the stuff is working, we work together on things like that. And Sometimes I might say something like, well, I want it to do this because I know a helicopter aerodynamically does this, so it needs to uh-huh. pre-compensate for this in the background. And the engineer will run with it and say, well, okay, we can do that, and we can do this to make it even better. <laughs> <laughs> um, so it's really a team effort. Um, mm-hmm. it, it's pretty amazing, the the working group over there. Um, the, the core gyro engineer is a fantastic guy and he's not really an active modeler uh, but he will sit out there at the flying field with us sweating like crazy uh until that thing flies right so it's pretty cool the biggest thing with Fataba development and, and why we are a little slow is because the engineers are shared a lot um so a lot of the helicopter manufacturers they only do helicopter stuff that same gyro engineer that is doing all the helicopter gyros for Fataba is also doing air, airplane gyros, our drift gyro, uh, the other car gyros. So there's a lot of, for example, the, the guy that has to write the code and the screens for the computer transmitters, the guy that designed the 7PX car radio is the exact same guy that does the 1618 SZ and the 32MZ. And wow. So that it's a... And I will say Futaba is a large company, um, so a lot of it is market-driven. So obviously mm-hmm. the RC car market, um, you'll notice Futaba is actually kind of on the leading edge of technology. And then you go to airplanes and helicopters, and it's kind of like, why are they falling behind? And then it's yeah. kind of like, well, they know how to do it because their car transmitter has it. Why haven't they applied it to airplanes and helicopters? And when you do have shared resources like that, and when you do have a larger company like Fataba is publicly traded, um, mm-hmm. the car market is larger. So sometimes those things do happen faster for them than other groups. The mm-hmm. benefit of that is <laughs> when it's done, it's done so well because they already have experience with it from another right. 
another thing. Right. Vibar right. really, yeah, Mikado killed it with the with the. I mean, I don't think Fatava had even thought of that when when they released the V control originally. Mm-hmm. That's a hundred percent original. But actually, our RC car radio shortly after had that in it. Um, our drift gyro now is completely wireless. You can change every setting on the ESC and the drift gyro through the through the seven PX. Nice, um, completely wirelessly. So, and and that did happen before the helicopter one, simply because that market, the numbers for RC cars are so huge that right, it it kind of has to buy that attention. But most Fataba loyalists do know that it does trickle down and it does go to the different groups. And as long as you're patient when you get it, then it's pretty awesome. So, Cool. Awesome. Yep. All but to right. answer your first question, yeah, there's a lot of development. We, we test a lot of gyros, and I go out in the backyard and, mm-hmm. and adjust things. And um, 3D mode and the 760 um, are all defaults that I developed with the, with the engineer. And then F3C mode is a mode that they actually use in Japan. Um, it mm. works for their market and tuning system. I actually use 3D mode, and all the Americans use 3D mode for F3C too, but most Europeans as well. But um, oh, the, really? the Japan, Yeah, and then the Japanese test pilot um, decides the F3C default modes, default settings. Okay. Oh, cool. So I know you said that you have a great team at Futaba USA. I'm curious, like, how big is that company now? Like, how how much has it grown since you know the conception? From, you know, when basically, um, you know, when Futaba kind of came to you and said, "Hey, we got an idea for you." Mm-hmm. Um, well, it, the RC division has grown a lot. Um, in general, the company in the United States is quite large. I believe we have about 200 employees, um, nice. and it is owned by Fataba Japan. It's Fataba Corporation of America. Mm-hmm. Um, our sales and stuff are influenced and in, that are not influenced, included in um, you know the shareholders and everything like that in Japan. Right. But we have lots of different divisions. So they they sell like OLED displays for automotive. Mm-hmm. Um, here in Huntsville, most of it is actually contract manufacturing. So it's PCB assembly, and there's I can't remember now. I think it's five or seven SMT lines down here in Huntsville, um, which is pretty much purely automotive, and and other little projects. Nice. They they do a lot of different contract manufacturing stuff. Um, and then the RC group, it was actually just me for hobby. Um, so for three years, all I did was sit in an office kind of by myself. And at one o'clock, I went out and started flying. Hmm. Nice. And I, I just kind of coexisted with all the other divisions. You know, we all got to be friends and went and had lunch stuff. But I was off kind of just reporting to Fataba Japan for um, all hobby stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, my title was uh, research and development technical specialist for the United States or something like that. Um, where basically I helped develop products for the United States and I sent them, Hey, this is a trend here. We need this, um, that kind of thing. Then in 2018, when Habico went bankrupt, um, I was tasked with, okay, what are we going to do? We're going to choose another third party distributor. Or are we going to do it ourselves? And it turned out that doing it ourselves was honestly the safest option. Um, so we went with that and, uh, Julie, uh, our HR manager uh, is a fantastic lady. She's incredibly intelligent. Um, 
she's got her master's degree and all sorts of stuff. And she kind of walked me through. She said, okay, this is the template. This is how you make organizational charts. This is how you make job descriptions. Um, this is what you need to present to what this position is needed for. Um, and she held my hand through, you know, I put the information in cause obviously not, no one else there was hobby. So they didn't actually know what a service tech did. They didn't actually know what a technical support specialist would do for hobby. You know, they okay. didn't know what the marketing person needed to do. And we went through and made all the positions and started it. Um, and we started with, I think, uh, well, we started with one. I had initially hired one tech um, and then myself. Uh, and then we quickly hired a customer service person because we were so bombarded with uh, stuff. By it was uh-huh. impossible to even keep up. Um, then a few months later, uh, we hired another uh, tech. And uh, so now we actually have two techs, um, one customer service person. And then we now also have a Japanese uh, expatriate that has come over to help with some of the sales side and kind of teach me the accounting and um, oh, cool. uh, that kind of thing. Uh, and then we have two full-time shipping people now uh, as well, just for hobby radio control. A lot of our sales are still to dealers, uh, mm-hmm. so it's a lot of big shipments. Um, but you can, of course, order off of FatabiUSA.com. But that's kind of where we're at now. We're up to seven employees uh, in the hobby radio control that are 100% hobby radio control. Right. Awesome. And we do. We and I will admit we could use more. We run lean. We could really use, you know, a video person. Uh, um, mm-hmm. You know, all that kind of stuff. Um, but if you can survive and you can run lean, that's a good thing. Everybody pulls their. You know, we all wear multiple hats. Um, yep. If Mary Jo's our customer service lady, she is amazing. Uh, I have no idea how, but she knows how to strike up a conversation with anybody. And uh, she, you know, if she's out, um, we can all pick up the slack. If I'm out, everyone else picks up the slack. But uh, we definitely have room to grow. COVID, um, believe it or not, uh, it's amazing to see how many people have gone out and started flying and driving cars again. Right. Um, we, yeah, so have you seen a, a rise in business itself? Like, you know, absolutely. Um, and it's the awesomest thing in the world because there's people out there that you haven't heard from from years. They're like, hey, you know, I, I've been working from home and I kept staring at this old helicopter that's sitting in my <laughs> corner. I want to get out and fly it again. And yeah, it's been great. They go out there and, you know, my theory is go out and just use what you have. See if you like it still, you know. Um, sure, right. But but then it seems like two weeks later they go, holy crap, I want the newest and greatest. Mm-hmm. And they get on and um, we've sold out of basically everything we have two or three times during COVID and had to completely reorder the factory. We're, we're expediting everything by air to get wow. it. Wow. Yeah. Um, it's been fantastic. And other companies uh, have reported the same thing. Some companies have recorded a loss. I, I don't know. You know, I think it's like everything. If if you can supply and you take advantage of the situation and you support your pilots and customers, then uh, right now is it's pretty awesome. From a business standpoint, I don't know if this is saying too much, but I had kind of expected it to die back down already. Uh, it hasn't, which means that I think a lot of those people that had put that stuff up on their shelf mm-hmm. and then when they were forced to work at home or when they do have a little more time on their hands um, during all this – 
um, they went back out and said, holy crap, I forgot how much fun this is. And so that means they're mm-hmm. sticking with it. Good. So, yep. Got to, pretty- got to do something to get away from those kids for a couple hours. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, Tell you know, me I mean, that, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, too, it goes back to our technology standpoint. I think a lot of people, to a large degree, they said, okay, nothing's changed in a few years. But now, for half the price, they can go get a fish finder and go out there and be, you know, everybody's a professional fisherman now because they got this thing that tells you where all the fish are at. So, <laughs> you could probably put it on your phone for all I know. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but now that there's not necessarily group things that you can do or something like that, you can go out and fly your helicopter to park or something like that. So, Yeah, absolutely. I wonder how many companies got the phone call. Do you still have parts for a Schluter? Um, <laughs> yeah. 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 You got a, a Raptor 90 that I crashed back in 2000. You got any parts? <laughs> I crashed back yeah. in 96. <laughs> you know, I wonder yeah. also, too, like, you know, those folks that are returning to the hobby, you know, it's like, whoa, Fly Brothers, it's, it, it doesn't make sense, but then, you know, once they get it a little glimpse of how easy it actually is. You know, now like they can actually like, it's way easier to fly. Right. You know, you're seeing a lot more pilots that can lay it down like a pro pilot and not be pro pilot at all. Right. Like, um, mm-hmm. you know, because of the technology that's advancing and pushing the hobby and, and the folks in it, you know, to greater heights and stuff. So I wonder if uh, a lot of the older Folks that used to be in it that maybe laid away for the last five, ten years, maybe, you know, now coming back into it, it's thinking like, wow, this is actually easier, more doable and, than it ever was, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now you can go out and enjoy it on the weekend, but you don't have to spend all week wrenching. Yeah. Right. <laughs> so it makes it more enjoyable. Mm-hmm. Sure How about does. you guys? Have you, have you seen an increase in your activity at clubs and local stuff? Mm, not at my local club, no. It took a while for our state to kind of reopen back up and, and still reopening back up, right? Like Kev was wow. saying, he just was able to go out and eat dinner inside a place recently, you know. But our local club, we have roughly, I don't know, 100 to 120 members. We see the same, you know, 20 people every weekend, if that. Yeah. It's usually the same 5 to 10 people. Whenever there's a fun fly like we just had or an event like we just had, it's, you know, the same 20 people showing up, 15 yeah. to 20 people. For the swamp water dogs. Which is uh, is good and bad. I mean, it's, it's it's you know, we're still having events, and we we haven't had any slow period, but, you know, it's, it's not getting any better. Or it's not, we don't have that many more people coming out, which I don't really care. <laughs> I mean, you know, to each his own. If you just want to join the club and... And can come during the week. That's fine. They do that too. A lot of guys. I mean, wouldn't you say like when COVID hit? You know, in the first three months of COVID, like some February, March to sometime in June, like our club was kind of closed down. Like we couldn't go fly. Well, we couldn't. Yeah, we couldn't fly. At right. All. Yeah. You know, yeah. um, we weren't allowed um, to gather anywhere. Yeah, because our state was like that. It was kind of locked was, down yeah. very early on, and stayed locked down for quite a while. Which I'm sure helped with the numbers and all that stuff that people want to talk about these days. But, um, you know, but for the hobby, I, I don't know. 
So it was interesting seeing that other places was still thriving, you know, even with this out there pandemic situation. Well, logically, it makes sense, yeah. you know. Uh, if, if I can't go on vacation, you know, that's why you can't find any yard furniture at Lowe's or Home Depot either because people were like, I can't go on vacation. I can't spend that money somewhere else. I'm going to spend it on my yeah. house. Or yeah. I'm going to get the kids into RC, whatever shuts them up for eight to ten minutes and gets them out of the house. You know, mm-hmm. go play outside <laughs> with that damn RC car I just bought you. Yeah, and then when you hit your first curve in ten minutes, yeah. come back in crying I and we'll go to we'll go order parts and get it fixed. <laughs> yeah, Great. Exactly. <laughs> well, I will be honest, down here in Alabama, nothing like that. We yeah. did not shut down. It was Yeah. yeah and I, I, that would have been pretty crazy to live out there that yeah. would have been like that. I mean, usually like I mean, this is a sign of like how crazy it was in Jersey is that usually like to go let's just say 40 miles on a highway, like say Route 80 here that goes kind of east to west of Northern Jersey, you know, on a busy day could take a couple hours. It could take an hour and a half, right? It could, you could be stuck in traffic for 30 minutes and uh, 40 minutes, you know, go how far? I don't know. Let's how, what would you say? From, Kevin? from my office in Secaucus to Manhattan. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's eight miles. I think it was an hour trip. Easy for me. <laughs> Yeah, but that's 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 New York City traffic. Let's just say within Jersey, going and from now, like, but now it's eight Bergen, minutes. Like Secaucus to, you know. But if I'm going from yeah. my house to Secaucus in the morning, uh, with traffic, it's it's an hour. Without traffic, it's a half an hour. And yeah. there hasn't been traffic at all since COVID hit. Yeah, I'm starting to see more congestion. But like, okay, so like your example of the city, right? Yeah, it would take it would take an hour to get into the city. From basically the border of New Jersey, yeah, from Chicago, right? Yep. right? And then so, but then like when COVID hit, it was literally you just drive through. There were no cars on the road. Five no minutes. One, yeah, yeah, you're in. No one ventured out. It was like when the governor closed down, people got scared and they they shut indoors and bunkered in, right? Um, and a lot of states weren't like that. You know, they didn't they didn't close their flying fields down, and so they were able to fly through this whole thing. You know, um. I don't even know what the point is of this conversation anymore. Well, but if, if we were seeing an uptick, uh, yeah, you know, yeah, since yeah, COVID, right? Because mm-hmm. everybody's staying home. I don't know. I, I, I feel like I kind of. I, I would say yes, Nick. You know, if I but you know our club, I didn't see that many more members, but I did see more guys flying more things. So I guess well, I would say yes. You know, and I would have to say, in the last four or six months. I've seen some new members at yeah. the club. Yep. So that's a good positive uh, indi- yeah, indicator, great. I guess, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah, and a couple of heli flyers, a couple of you know airplane flyers, a couple of older folks, you know. Yeah. All kind of coming back into the hobby and joining up. I think that's great. We had a a, a kid and his mom come out and hang out for about an hour at the field this weekend too. Another oh, yeah? new, new perspective, you know. Yeah. Club member, possibly. Nice. And now with wireless buddy boxing and all that stuff, you just take your helicopter and say, "Here, try it." Yeah. You know, yeah, exactly. So much. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And a lot of the guys we find that have flown planes and want to try helicopters have dabbled in the multi rotor, so they know the orientation, upright orientation, slightly. You know, they're not just completely green, and Man. they actually do pretty good. They, they you know, mm-hmm. with the first couple flights. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Cool. 
All right. Uh, do we have more questions for Nick, or should we move it on to this uh, next thing we have here? We can move it on. So we're going to be doing a collaboration with Nick Maxwell, and we're going to do a giveaway. Nice. <laughs> yeah. So what we're going to do is, at least our idea is that uh, we want our listeners to fill out this very short survey. And by very short, I'm going to state it's going to be very short because who wants to fill out long surveys? Um, and you'll be entered for a set of uh, Revo 715 millimeter blades, main blades. We're going to give a two-week open window for this. So that way, you know, just for folks that will maybe don't listen to the episode the week that it gets released, maybe, you know, listen to a little later. Uh, this episode will be released on Friday 11th, September 11th here. Um, so I say we'll make the announcement September 25th. When we record, we'll gather all the information. So I guess we have to set expectations. Our window of recording is Tuesday, um, and we edit and release on Friday. So we're going to have to close by... 7 p.m. Eastern Time on Tuesday. Yes, 7 p.m. Eastern Time on September 22nd. So it's going to be open again. We're going to open it from Friday, September 11th, to Tuesday, 7 p.m. Eastern on September 22nd. And what we'll do is we're going to gather all the entries from this short survey, and we'll contact, and then we're going to basically do a random drawing. We'll, we'll add, you know, we'll basically add everyone's name into a randomizer, and we'll get the computer to pick out a name for us. So it has nothing to do with me. You can definitely yell at Kevin. Oh, um, I'm going to yell, yell at that George. anyways. <laughs> or Andy, <laughs> because it's not our fault. It's Kevin's fault. I mean, it's the computer's <laughs> fault. <laughs> How nice have you been to your computer lately? That'll be the, well, mm. the difference. <laughs> so... Where's the survey? The survey is on, here's the URL for it, so I'll repeat it twice and please listen. Uh, get your pens and papers ready or your keyboards or your digital phone thingies in your hand. But it's uh, tinyurl.com, so T-I-N-Y-U-R-L.com slash N-M-P Freefall. So Nick Maxwell product, Freefall. Okay, so NMP Freefall. So again, it's tinyurl.com slash NMP Freefall. Go to that link. It'll be posted on our Facebook page. Um, I'll even post it on our webpage. Oh, man. Now I'm on the hook to update our webpage. Oh, I boy. Now like you did it. And a half. <laughs> but yeah, I'll even get it on our webpage, right? I'll get it on our webpage so that way um, for those folks that don't want to write this down, which is tinyurl.com and MP Freefall, um, you can go to our webpage and you'll see a, a little ad there. You can click on that to fill out the survey. Also, so put again, our show link stock. Yeah, we'll have it on our show link stock too. And, and basically, everywhere we can post this, we'll have it posted. And this is for a set of. Nick Maxwell blades, Revo blades, that yes. are 715, we should say. Yes, 715 millimeters for your 700 size Hollies. Sorry, T-Rex 700X folks. Um, you know, you're going to want to... <laughs> yeah, so you won't, you're going to want to fill in the survey. It's going to take you less than a couple of minutes, in my opinion. And we'll make it easy. Also, I'll put this URL in the show description. So if you're listening to this on your, your phones, your tablets, your phablets, your computers, 
whatever you got. Um, if you look at the description, you'll have those links there, like to our Facebook and YouTube page. You could also just click the link for this and get right to the f- Google form. So easy, even Kevin could do it. Did you say phablet? Yeah, it's a phone <laughs> tablet. Never heard of that? No. Phablet? No. Nope. Yeah. It's what you have an iPhone. I will not be filling out anything on a phablet. Sorry. It's so big, it's a phablet. It's, it's <laughs> fabulous. Uh I'm not even going All there. All right. I'm respecting <laughs> our guest, Nick, and I'm not even going there. He's not going to go there. <laughs> <laughs> that um, was pretty funny. <laughs> I've never heard that before either. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I've heard that. I work for a tech company. We come up with weird names. Bunch of hipsters. Things. Yeah. yeah you know. <laughs> All right. So um, we've held... Nick and hostage way too long, I think. Um, it's time to let him go free. <laughs> big, so, big thank you to Nick yes. for providing these blades for the, the giveaway, too. Oh. Can't thank you enough. Oh, no problem. And thank you, guys. I I live for RC helicopters, so you get me talking. I'll, I'll go forever. So. Yeah, nice. no, this, is, this is awesome. I apologize. No, no, no problem. Not at all. All right. So, Nick, if someone wants to get in touch with you um, to talk to you about your products, Futaba USA, you know, your Revo Blades, your Uglo, whatever you want, um, or just get to talk to you. How would they do that? Uh, the best place is to, uh, if it's related to Futaba equipment, to email uh, nmaxwell at futaba.com. Uh, if it's related to just general helicopter stuff, that's fine. Email there as well. Um, when it comes to ordering uh, Revo Blades, Uglos, uh, different things that we're coming out with, uh, Nick Maxwell products at gmail.com. Um, and, and you can always check Nick Maxwell products.com. Um, I do try to write a blog post about once a month, um, about just like a tip or a trick or something that, um, me or a friend has taught me over the years. And, uh, I, I do have to say, I do not do Facebook very often. So if you send a message on Facebook, I don't do Facebook Messenger, so I do apologize if you've sent something on there. I haven't seen it, but if you give me an email on either of those two emails, I'll for sure get back to you there. Awesome. Okay. All right. Thanks again, Nick. I really appreciate all the info and just having you on the show. It's great. Um, Great to learn more about your products and just more about you. Um, So, yeah, this was fantastic. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks, Nick. Thank you, Nick. Well, thank you, guys. I sure do appreciate it. Yeah. Awesome. No, I, I appreciate it as well. So thank you. Anytime, let me know. Okay. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Okay. Wow. So we're going to – this episode's starting to go a little bit on the long side. Um, we do need to cut it short. So we're, we don't have a planker segment, unfortunately. I'm shaking my, I'm shaking my fist in the air, Mike. It's oh. hard at work <laughs> on the Star Trek episode, I think. Don't, don't let the cat out the bag now. Come on. <laughs> well, he's only been saying it for like three, four months now. Yeah, exactly. Yes. He's been teasing yes. the shit out of us. Yes. Um, we have no news and announcements, so we're going to kind of skip that for this week. So let's move it on to what's next for you in the hobby. What's next for me? Yeah. What's next for you, Kevin? South Jersey, Helly's Gone Wild, bitches, is what I wrote. Nice. Wait. Awesome. You know what I'm going to do? What are you What are you doing? I'll go next. 
South Jersey Helicon, wild bitches, but with no helicopters and no bitches. Oh. <laughs> because I don't got my helicopters anymore. They're down oh. in Virginia and I'm in New Jersey. So, woohoo. Oh. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I do want to stop by at least, you know, if, um, yeah. yeah. So that should be cool. Cool. Uh, what about you, Andy? Uh, South Jersey Heli's gone wild, what? but no Jersey, no Heli's, and lots of bitching. Oh man! Uh, I wish you could come up for it. Yeah, yeah, that would be cool. Yeah. Once you get over your COVID bitching, then maybe you come up. Maybe, maybe maybe next year. Yeah, I was actually talking to Rob, and I was Rob's like, "Well, we still doing free fall at New Jersey," and I'm like, "I don't know if we do in Virginia. I'm sure we can get more people, and we can also get." The other two fuckers from Tennessee to come up. Mm. <laughs> yeah. Hey, it'd be centrally located to all of us. Yeah. Yeah. I'd be down Possibly. for that. What I'm thinking. Yeah. How so. far is that for you, Andy? Uh, what would you say? Six hours? It's six hours south of me from here, but yeah. So it's an hour oh, south of Frederick. Your address for me, I think, is like right at six hours. Yeah, I think it's right at six. Oh, okay. And because then- it was 12 to South Jersey, right? No, it was about 10-something. Okay. Yeah, so you might be even closer. So it Andy's might be, probably um, like seven hours to Fredericksburg? No, I'm six. Six, oh, six hours. Yeah, so you're five to me. I'm an hour south of Fredericksburg. Oh, I'm, yeah, close to, I'm in South you're, Virginia. You're a, you're a little area. more east, so Google oh, yeah. says it's six hours. It's probably, you know, five and a half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah that that is, makes sense. That is central then. Nice. Yeah. It'd be like five and a half, six hours either um, way. We're going to invade Fredericksburg. You got a bedroom for me, Steve? I thought you had a camper. <laughs> just, just a bed? Sure. I do. I'm just teasing you. We got a bed. I'm actually going to build a Murphy bed in the office so that if I have someone staying over, oh, nice. I could just swing down a Murphy bed. But you got to build an oh. Andy bed, not a Murphy oh, bed. Yeah. Well, It's like a Murphy bed, but it's six inches longer. There you go. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so, George, what are you going to be up to next? Oh, shit. We'll go down to Fredericksburg. We'll invade Fredericksburg for a fun fly. And all I'm going to do is fly at night. The hell would you? Well, you've already <laughs> flown at night. Well, so now you know uh, you I can, fly, I can at fly at night. Yeah, that's true. All right, cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm set. All right. All right, so we're going to cut the episode a little short today. I don't think we're going to do a wrap-up or outro, or should we just do the outro? Let's do it. we got to do a listener pipeline because we got uh, Oh, do we? That's time-sensitive. Okay. Oh, do we? Yeah. All right. All right, uh, so then we'll do listener pipeline, and then we'll one, skip the rest. Actually. Okay. Hey, free fall guys. Uh, seeing here. Uh, just figure I'd give a nice little reminder about uh, Rotors on the River 2020, September 18th through the 20th it's being put on by the midwest heli boys it's a great group of guys in uh council bluffs iowa um if you find yourself close to that uh tri-state area if it's a couple hours drive just to get there just go ahead and check it out great group of guys again and uh definitely some good flying um the the landing fee is twenty dollars it's all three days was fun. Uh, definitely check it out. Uh, there is also going to be some night flying. 
So, yeah, just figure I put the word out there. Um, we'll see y'all later. All right. Thanks, Ian. I looked it up just uh, so I could repeat it. Rotors on the River, September 18th through the 20th. $20 landing fee. Looks like they're going to have a 50-50 raffle and a Saturday evening pilot's dinner. Council Bluffs, Iowa. So go check it out if you're in the area. Give them a little shout out. Yeah. Awesome. Tell them Andy sent you. Yes. Tell them Ian sent you. They'll charge you an extra $5. Tell them Ian sent you. Don't rope me into this craziness. (laughs) I don't, I don't Mm. know what's going on out there in Iowa. Uh Never been to Iowa. Uh (laughs) (laughs) Mm -hmm. All right. Is this show going to end? Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it's over done yeah so at this point uh we're gonna skip the wrap-up skip the outro just want to give a huge thanks again to nick for coming out on the show here and, and informing us of all this awesome stuff here yeah and being such a great dude to offer up a set of blades for us to give away yeah, yeah that is awesome man. and we want to hear how you you know what your experience is with the blades when you get them yes Yes, we would love to hear what your thoughts are of the blade, you know, um, for sure. So on that note, for your skies, and we'll see you next time. Thanks, everyone. Bye. Bye. Um, Real quick, what do we want to make? these questions real quick like what would you change about the free farsi podcast show do we want to get something like that i would say what do you like what would you change um which host should we kick out (laughs) (laughs) so what do you like about the show or your favorite segment required what do you what would you change or improve required and then this one I'll just put as not required. So if they don't want to put anything, they don't have to. They could just still. Okay. Yeah, that it. sounds good. Yeah, I like that. So wait, what did I say? <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, what? It says never submit passwords through Google Forms. <laughs> For What is your favorite segment? My password is. shit. <laughs> <laughs> So no planker this week. Should we do what movie is this from? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We must do something about this immediately, immediately, immediately. Harumph, 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 harumph. I didn't get a harumph out of that guy. Give the governor harumph. Harumph. You watch your ass. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a Mel Brooks, but I forgot which one. <laughs> we have a clip from... Last time we had Shaggy on the show. What? When he was on the show.
<laughs> Forget it. Let's do the show. It sounds like Police Academy. <laughs> no, it's. Okay, Kevin. You having fun over there, Kevin? I gotta leave, <laughs> yeah. I gotta leave something on so somebody. Entertaining yourself. Laptop doesn't. Yeah. <laughs> well, what do you think I do for the 200 hours between shows, man? I just sit here at my computer playing different <laughs> things, waiting for you guys to get on Skype again. <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> uh.